On today's show, Howard gets a visit from actor and Academy Award nominee Jake Gyllenhaal. Will you ever get married? Oh, I hope so. You want that? Yeah. You want well, a committed what's relationship? What's holding you back? Yeah, Robin wants to know what's holding you back. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Right? Yeah. Let's hope Robin can keep her composure. Woo. And you're marrying Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. She wants to your marriage material. <laughs> All right. Only on the Howard Stern Show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what do you say to that? From your lips. Since you came along. Hey now. Hey, Rego, what? Am I, have I not been on the air? Or am I on the air? Oh, hey, was I on earlier when I was talking? What? Oh, oh, okay. So I've been talking, but just to myself. Oh, I started the show like a minute ago, everybody. But evidently, I wasn't on the air. All right. That's okay. Believe me, it wasn't anything that good. Whatever I was doing wasn't that good. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, now. What happened? You got a noise on your uh, deal there? Hmm. Hello? Oh, there you go. What happened? You oh, had a noise? you got me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, apparently there was some, like, electrical noise on the other setup, and I had to try to figure out how to, what to plug into what. Look at you. Testing. You got to go like this. Testing. Testing. One, two. <laughs> there is a type of electrical noise on my end. What I am attempting testing, to do testing. is to One, get two. rid of it. Well, I got rid of it. I am, I'm very impressed with myself because mm. I was like, I don't know where to plug these things in. I had to change connections. Testing, I testing, one, two. I'm about to change the connections to the uh, uh, broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was told, oh, just switch over to the other setup. And I was like, oh, you act like I know how to do that. <laughs> Thank you. But I did it. I think about my dad on that tape. I'm pretty sure, like, if my dad wasn't my dad, I wouldn't be friends with him. Like, if he was a contemporary of mine, like, any guy would be like, testing, testing, one, two, what I am attempting testing, to do. Testing, One, two. Now, we are now testing this out for proper modulation. As you will know, when you record, the proper modulation that is required is for the electric eye, which is a green type of tube, will open and close as we record. Now I will play this back to hear the quality whether, and whether this is operating. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, you know, if I was his age at the time that he was doing that and I was just another dude in broadcasting, I'd be like, hey, I don't know about that guy. You know, I'd be like, yeah, I hear some sort of hum. Is that coming from you? I guess it's still, I, it's, it's lower than it was. Let me see something. Turn off your mic for a sec. Hmm. No. Maybe it's from something else. I don't know. Who cares? Nobody can hear it anyway. It's a little annoying, but I'll get past it. Hey, everybody. What's happening? Yeah, that is annoying. <laughs> Good Lord. Say what, well, you should have heard it before. It was a lot louder. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Well, what happens is every time I talk it, goes away and then if i take a breath and i hear the i don't know okay let's end the show now fuck it all right
Well, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Now it sounds good. Did you stop? Can you hear me? Yeah. No, I didn't do anything. It's when you talk. Just don't talk and everything will be fine. There you go. I'll go home. <laughs> yeah, you're I'm home. home. <laughs> yeah. You need to go somewhere else. <laughs> eh, it's all right. It's all right. We, I got to just like not even pay attention to it. Power somehow. through. Power through. Fuck, I need coffee, man. I miss that coffee so much. I just miss it. Oh. I know I hadn't been drinking coffee that long, like for a year or two, but uh, man, now that I'm an old fart, that jolt of caffeine just got me going in the morning. Good Lord. It was so nice. Like all of a sudden I'd be cranked up and ready to broadcast and all fired up. Like literally fired up, like shot out of a rocket. Yeah, you used to gulp the coffee down. You'd really get like a full blast of caffeine. <laughs> yeah, black coffee, no fucking milk, no bullshit sugar. Just like the coffee beans heated up or whatever it is. And man, was I shot out of a rocket with that Dunkin' Donuts. That stuff is just beautiful. And I got the big cup. I got the giant cup. You should have seen this cup I had. I had a cup that was bigger than the studio. I, had, I could swim in it. It was like the size of a swimming pool. I was like, I only have one cup a day. I realized that was like seven cups of coffee right in one of those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was huge. Yeah. That was super size. Like a six-pack of coffee. Yeah, I loved it. And, man, i get on the air and be like, I'm like a young man. It's like, you know, let me broadcast. Open up those mics. Nitro boot. But uh, the doctor told me, I, maybe I could drink coffee, maybe I can't. I didn't want to risk it. I don't want to go into the whole situation, but it was a mind fuck. So I just said, I'm not drinking any coffee. Mm. But uh, no alcohol, no coffee, no chocolate. Chocolate has caffeine. Did you know that? Yes, I do know that. You know that? Look at you over there. Nothing. I can't surprise you anymore with anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I knew that. Tell me what you don't know, and I'll let you know. Well, how would I know it if I don't know? <laughs> don't think about it. Uh, by the way, I mean, you know, now that you're talking about this, did you see that David Lee Roth has decided to retire? Yeah, I got it right here in my notes. I want to talk about it. I'm upset about it. I don't know why I'm upset. You know, I re if, if David Lee Roth uh, spoke to a reporter, but the reporter recorded it, so I got some of the message I could play for ah, it, you know. okay. And David Lee Roth, you know, let's face it, David Lee Roth is one of the greatest front men ever lived. You know, uh, I love the Sammy Hagar Van Halen and I love the David Lee Roth Van Halen. I love them both. If I was going to compare the two gentlemen, which everybody always wants to, uh, David Lee Roth was the ultimate showman. You know, Sammy Hagar to me was a little more relatable because he's a musician. And uh, I mean, not that David isn't a musician, but... Really, Sammy's a, an accomplished guitar player and songwriter in his own right. So, uh, but both men, just really great. Uh, David Lee Roth is from the school of like, you know, just like a flashy showman, puts on a big show. And as a young man, I, I love David Lee Roth, but I couldn't relate to him that much as a performer because he was so handsome. With that long blonde mane and the physique, he had a really good physique. He's an athlete. And when I'd see him, 
I never saw the Van Halen with David Lee Roth live on stage, but I would see David Lee Roth on TV and stuff. When I'd see him, he seemed uh, unrelatable to me. I loved watching him, but I was like, I could never be him. Like when you'd see Sammy on stage, you'd go, you know, I could be that dude. He doesn't look like, uh, he, it seems reasonable that I could be Sammy Hagar. I know I can't be David Lee Roth with the long hair. And I, t- I told you that story a million times. When I was a disc jockey in uh, Detroit, I was the new morning man on W4. WWWW. Shittiest call <laughs> letters ever. Nobody in Detroit knew this station existed. Four rock stations, nobody listened to this thing. They had zero listeners. When I got there, there were zero listeners. When I left there, there were zero listeners. It was a fucking hellhole. Worst rock station ever, I guess. I didn't think so, but when you pay, compared it to the other three in town, it was shitty. Oh. For some reason. You could hear the difference. You could hear the difference. Everybody was good. Their morning shows were better. Everything was better. They brought me in as a last-ditch effort to save the station, but I was in no condition to save that station. You know, I just didn't have my shit together. But it was an attempt. But anyway, uh, I met the... I told you I stayed on the same floor with Van Halen when they were in their prime. I'm talking about Pretty Woman Van Halen, you know, when they when they yeah. first put out Ice Cream Man, uh, Pretty Woman, you know, the, the, the original Van Halen. And these motherfuckers, girls were lined up. They visited the station. I remember we, we broadcast from an old house right on Michigan Avenue and this... These girls pulled up. They were all dressed in black silk stockings with the line going up the back of the stockings because David Lee Roth would say in the song, I like when you wear those stockings with the line going up the back. The seam going up your leg. Yeah. I I like the seam on the leg. (laughs) And uh, he liked that. So they all dressed that way. And they were all out there. David, David, take me, fuck me, do it. I was like, mother. Fucker, what is going on? I got, I'm pulling into this new radio station, and there are just girls lined up screaming for David Lee Roth and Eddie. And the night before, because they were doing a show, big uh, you know tour, and they were on the same floor with me, and these girls were all up on the hotel floor screaming and banging on the doors, banging on my door, thinking I had something to do with Van Halen. <laughs> I'd open up the door, and they go, oh, is David here? And I'd be like, no. I go, I'm, I'm the morning man at W4. They go, oh, what's that? I go, it's one of your radio stations. And Christ, how do you not know? I knew there was trouble. And no, and these girls never even heard of it. Fucking rock station. They never heard of it. So I don't know. But you should have seen what was going on in these hotel rooms. David Lee Roth, he's got his door open. He's running around in a towel. His shirt's off. He just came out of the shower. Big blonde mane of hair. Guy looked like a god. I remember. I remember it. It was such a strong image. That hotel floor and not getting any sleep and being the new morning man. Oh, my God. There was so much pressure. And these fuckers looked like they were having the best time of their lives. Van Halen. I got to admit, I was very jealous <laughs> what I saw that day. But it seemed unreal. Like, they seemed, they seemed unattainable. Like, if I was a kid growing up and I saw Sammy, I'd go, maybe I could do what Sammy's doing. I couldn't do what David was doing. David was out there, man. And then you'd hear him talk, and he's like, out there. But it worked. You know, he sounded like Spicoli from a surfer movie from Fast Right. Time. You never knew what he was saying. Does it make yeah. sense or does it not make sense? It yeah. wasn't, you were never sure. Well, for me, it was like, well, the guy's a rich rock star. It must make sense. 
I just don't know what he's talking about. I'm just stupid. Yeah, obviously I can't understand it. He's talking rich. So like Robin said, David Lee Roth gave this interview where he basically said he was retiring. I kind of, I know he was doing, he's, I don't know if he's pulling like a who kind of situation where the who always retires and then two weeks later they're working again. But this time around, uh, he says, uh, yeah, I'm doing five shows in Vegas. I don't think the shows are even sold out. I, I don't know if he's. Just, oh, was oh, that oh. the announcement that there were going to be shows or were they trying? You think they I, were already on sale? I think they were on sale and nothing was happening. You know, he's taking a couple of hits, man. I felt bad for the dude. Like um, I read somewhere where David Lee Roth was opening for Kiss and then Gene Simmons, a fucking guy in clown costume, a guy with clown makeup, fired him from the tour and said he didn't sing good enough for a Kiss tour. I'm like, are you fucking kidding Ugh. me? You're going to humiliate the guy like that and make a public announcement? I don't know what that is. I don't know David real well anymore. I used to know him, but he's pissed at me for some goddamn reason that I haven't figured out. Super pissed at me. I did something horrible to him. He took over my radio show. I wished him well. I don't know. Did I do something to the guy? I don't think so. I don't know what I did, but he's got it in for me. Wow. Hates me. Yeah. Well, I don't have it in for him. I'm I'm a David Lee Roth fan. I, I wished yeah. him well. I said, dude, I hope you do okay. If you need any advice, call me. And he was like, he was kind of cocky. He was like, I don't need your advice. And he was pissed at me for some reason. The morning show didn't work out. It failed. And, and it makes sense that it failed. He's not a morning show guy. He's a fucking rock god. You know? Oh. But that's okay. I, I didn't wish him any harm. But he's got some bug up his ass about me. I don't know what it is, but you know what? He wouldn't be the only one. Well, many you know, people, if he's never going to tell you, how are you ever going to resolve it, you know? It's okay. If he doesn't want to... I, I tried. I invited him on the show a couple of times. He gave me some bullshit. But he said uh, I did him wrong. <laughs> Somehow. I, I hung with him one night out here in the Hamptons. Yeah, He was out here uh, visiting uh, Jason Bin, that guy who ran uh, Hamptons Magazine at the time. And I was, I don't know how I ran into him. I ran into him maybe at a restaurant or I don't know. I don't even remember the circumstances, but I spent some time with the guy and we had a nice night. I, I thought I was going to say that went all right. You didn't do anything I, that night. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> he was a very sweet man. What you want, J.D.? Uh, I don't think this is a who type situation. <laughs> I think something's going on. Health wise? Uh, yeah, in the audio. I was able to find, someone was able to find, uh, he recorded his side of the conversation, so it's much clearer to hear him. And, uh, yeah. But what he says, it does not sound great. <laughs> oh. So, well, first of all, a whole bunch of dudes. Like Gene Simmons, again, I, I, I don't remember. Didn't Gene Simmons say I kicked him off the tour because he's not singing good enough? And I'm like, you know, okay, if Pavarotti says that about you, okay. But this is a fucking guy in clown makeup. And does he really on. sing, Gene? <laughs> I think Gene sings a couple of those Kiss tunes. I'm not a big Kiss fan. I'm not a really, fan at all, so I don't yeah. know what they do. I think Gene does sing a song or two. I know he sings. I see him, you know. Salad. Mouthing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I see him. No, I see him like doing stuff on stage whenever I've seen a clip of Kiss, but I'm, I never got into Kiss. I always thought it was a bit of a goof. It's just Howard, very he hard quite, from, he sings, right? Yeah, he sings quite a few songs. 
Oh, yeah. he does? Thought, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he sings at least five or six songs per show. Yeah, I know. And he sings one of their big hits, right, uh, Gene? God of Thunder is right. a, a big hit. Um, right. And Rock and Roll All Night. Yeah, which is a that's him, right? Hit. Yeah, he, he closes the roll. show with it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, gonna yeah. rock and roll all night and then every day. Yeah, I've never even that. cared enough to look to see who's singing. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. But, uh, you know, he, for some reason, maybe David said something to him, but uh, he was giving him some shit. He was like, hey, I, you can't tour with us. You don't sing good enough. Maybe if you put in some clown makeup, we'll uh, let, you, let you back. But uh, Gene compared David Lee Roth to a bloated, naked Elvis on the bathroom floor. And then he later oh. apologized on Twitter, and I was like, man, that's kind of mean. You know, he's David Lee Roth. He gave us a lot of good years of entertainment. I got no I got no beef with David. I, I fucking love the guy. I love his music. But anyway, so when he announced he retired, and I was just reading it, I even printed it out, but I got the tape too. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was tape. But he was talking to this reporter, and he basically said... Um, uh, this is from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Okay, it says like this: "I'm, I'm throwing in the shoes, isn't it? I'm throwing in the towel. The towel. I don't know. Hmm. I've never heard throwing. In <laughs> That's the what shoes. I mean. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm throwing in the shoes. I'm retiring," Roth told the newspaper. "This is the first and only official announcement. You've got the news. Share it with the world." So, you know, at first I said, well, maybe it's like the who, you know, you announce your retirement, you sell some tickets, and then maybe you get some more, but it's a shitty way to do it. Listen, I, I'm going to be up, very upfront with you. Van Halen died with Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen was always Eddie Van Halen. You don't have Eddie Van Halen, you don't have Van Halen. Um, He's the he's the star. He's the He's the backbone of that band. Anyway, so David says, I'm throwing in the shoes. I would have said I'm throwing in the toaster, but <laughs> that's my thing. I Roth told the newspaper, share it with the world. A flamboyant frontman known as Diamond Dave, blah, 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 blah. Dance the night away, jump. Roth's announcement came just shy of a year after Eddie Van Halen. The band's lead guitarist died. Quote, I am encouraged and compelled to really come to grips with how short time is, and my time is probably even shorter, he said. Uh-oh. See, that's what yeah, I was down. looking to see if that was a hint, and he says a little more as he goes along. Oh man, that's so sad. That made my heart sink because yeah. I thought I thought David Lee Roth was younger than me. Is he the same? I think he might be the same age. Might I be thought he was younger, a tick or two younger, but yeah, not much. but not much. And that made me sad. I always considered those guys way younger than me. Now they're all dropping like flies, and I'm around the same age. I'm telling you, man, it is freaky when you get up here in this uh, air. In this stratosphere, yes. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, not being here anymore. Oh, David Lee Roth will be 67 years old this month, I told you. Oh. Yeah. I'm in, uh, see what else he said. Roth has five shows scheduled at the House of Blues in Las Vegas. I guess, I don't know how many seats that is, but he should be able to sell that out. Maybe, maybe he couldn't. Which really depresses me. Well, he did say I'll, something about Eddie in the rear view mirror or 
uh, something and that his doctor said every time he goes on stage, he's shortening his life. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I've given you all I've got to give. It's been an amazing, great run. No regrets. Nothing to say about anybody. That's directed at Sammy. I'll miss you all. Stay frosty. That's cool. That's very Spicoli. Stay frosty. I like that. I'm going to start. You don't that. have that part about the. It, I said might. That it was like that, you know, going on stage is risking his life practically. Mm. Like it's cutting his time short. You want to hear a little of this? This is, this is like the recording of. Yeah, it sounds like a suicide note, doesn't it? It sounds terrible. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. This, this is a clear version. Up here. Oh, you got a clear version? Where's that? It's right there. It's right there. It's in okay. the clip. I'm running up here today with the departure of my beloved classmate recently, Ed. Al and I have been talking. And by the way, I mean, what the fuck is the real story there anyway? Every, you know, it's like whenever someone dies, everyone becomes super friendly and, you know, how great their relationship was. But, you know, David and Eddie didn't talk forever, right? I mean. Yeah, but you know how it is. Uh once somebody dies, you realize all that other crap was bull. You know, like you shouldn't have even Nonsense. made it such a big deal. Right. I'm running up here today with the departure of my beloved classmate recently, Ed. Al and I have been talking. I can't speak for him just yet. I just spoke to him. He knows everything I'm about to tell you. I am encouraged and compelled to really come to grips with how short and probably my time is even shorter. I thought I might go first, frankly. I might have thought the Marlboro man might have got me. Hey, Ed, objects in the rearview mirror are probably me. And my doctors, mm. my handlers compel me to uh, really address that every time I go on that stage, I endanger that future. And uh, I'm throwing in the shoes. I'm retiring. And this is the first and only official announcement. Al, my handlers, you got the news. You share it with the world. I'm not going to explain a statement. The explanation is in the statement. These are my last five shows. I got a band that's doing what Al and I used to call a block. That means 75 rehearsals for one show. The warm-up for one summer salt is the same for 10. So we're going to bring it. In classic VH style, Alex and I are the only version. That was his message. There is no other variation. There is no torch being passed. There is no mm. other side of this heads-up tail coin. This is the classic in-your-face Van Halen, and we're going to be playing to you for the rest of your time and your great-grandchildren's. I gave you all I had to give. It's been an amazing, great run. No regrets. Nothing to say about anybody. I miss y'all. Stay frosty. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Sounds like some health issues. Sounds like, but what, he seems very hell bent. On, is he doing these shows with Alex Van Halen or he seems to That's mention him a lot? That's what it sounds like. Oh. Well, on the bright side, I think Gary Sharon is still working. So there you go. Thank goodness. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but it sounds, it just could kind of leveled me. I was like, oh man, the guy from Van Halen is going to throw in the shoes. <laughs> so I don't know. I get depressed. I, I was really kind of sad, but saddened by that. I, it's, well, it was shocking to me. I was yeah. like, I wouldn't have seen that coming. 
Yeah. I think he's just also sick of taking so much shit. You know, when, you know, Gene Simmons telling us to go in on public saying, hey, he's not singing well enough. You know, that's kind of a low blow. Well, yeah, that that's unnecessary and uh, shouldn't even have even happened. Gene Simmons' apology. Here it is. You ready? There was a segue to Elvis bloated on the ground, fat and naked. I wasn't talking about David, but that doesn't matter. What matters is I hurt David's feelings, and that's more important than the intent, so I sincerely apologize for that. I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. It reminds me of the guy that gets out of a truck and says, Hey, I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to run you over. Well, that's... What's the fuck's... What... Well, what the fuck's the difference? You've been run over. Okay. Yeah. He kind of ran over him with that. You know, maybe the guy's having some vocal trouble. I don't know. What... Gene's living a good life. What's he got to fuck with Dave for? Yeah, have that conversation in private if if you need to have it. Yeah, just say, hey, look, you know, tour's not working out. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But uh, David Lee Roth, one of the one of the greats. I don't know his health's bad. I don't I don't know anything about it. But he certainly seems to be implying that. Although maybe he's just like you know what. I'm doing. I'm sitting here with the actuarial table. I don't know how many more years I have. Like Bruce Springsteen and John Cougar got together and they wrote a song. Just uh, they just released it the other day. I was listening to it. You talk about depressing. It's basically how many summers do I have left? Is the song? Oof. You know that whole discussion. <laughs> Whenever you talk to old guys, they're like, you know, I don't know how many more good summers I have. You do the math. You go, hey, uh, let's say I live another ten years, and then you know, eighty. How, how, how good? Even if I live past how eighty, how many of those I, are good? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can't be a good well, summer that's going what to the Ronnie doctor. Was saying when he said he had to leave and go to Vegas. Yeah, I get it. I, I didn't bust his balls. I mean, I think he's crazy to go to Vegas if you're going to retire. I would <laughs> go to fry. I mean, hell, hell is a, about two degrees cooler than Vegas, but <laughs> that's his choice. But I'm happy for him. It's called Wasted Days. John Mellencamp and Bruce Springsteen. It's kind of depressing. But it's essentially, I'm probably going to die soon, so. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do. Goodbye while I still can. Yeah. You can play this when I'm gone. How many summers still remain? How many summers? How many days are lost in vain? You know what's funny? I was reading an interview with somebody, and he was a lead singer, and he said, Yeah, somebody advised me years ago when you sing, don't enunciate every word kind of garble a bunch of your words right. most of these guys do that you don't know what the fuck they're talking about it does make the song better especially if the lyrics aren't good <laughs> yeah especially if the lyrics are yummy 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 i got love in my tummy or everybody's <laughs> kung fu that right out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just go did he just say kung fu fighting <laughs> how many summers still remain how many days are lost in vain jesus now Last who's who's counting out these last dramatic years? How many minutes do we have here? Oof. Oh, that hit me. How many minutes do we have Wasted days. Wasted days. Wasted days. <laughs> nice. We watch our lives just fail. 
whoa, you two <laughs> just got together and depressed each other. <laughs> song so good. This song's so good, it makes you want to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I got I got sad with the David Lee Roth. Yeah. A, I'm sad because David's got beef with me. I don't even know why, but it's kind of cool, though, that even thinks enough about me to hate me. I think that's kind of... Uh, yeah, like you could actually affect David Lee Roth as rock god, you know. Like, yeah. Maybe that means something. And it's always weird with me because people are always afraid to tell me why I'm their enemy. They they never really tell. Some guys do, but not all of them. He never, he never really explained it to me. I know when I left the radio, they gave him the job on some of the stations, but I had nothing to do with that, his success or failure. But maybe he, maybe in some weird way, blames me. Like I sabotaged I him or something. Some, I don't know. You know, fans say something that really got to, I don't know. That's probably it. There you go. You know, there's people on the fucking internet. They, they can, they can, they can start a fight in two seconds. Yeah. Um, they can do that. They they probably were uh, giving him the DM and going, hey, Stern's a piece of shit. You know, Stern's a fuck. He said this about you. Or whatever. Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, maybe this is something somebody else made up. I mean, a couple of times I did once in a while reference his show because the, the ratings weren't good. And I had gotten word from some of my radio buddies that David decided to redecorate the studio and bring in palm trees, thinking that would make him more relaxed. And I kind of goofed around about that. But come on. I remember I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was like, palm trees? I said, I don't have a fucking palm tree in my... I'm sitting here in my basement. You don't need palm trees to make a good radio show. You got to just... You got to live in your head. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Mm. Shit, man. I was so busy this weekend. It was my anniversary. How many years do you think I'm married? You were at my wedding. How many years do you think I I'm know. married? I know. Wait there a minute. Like, Give me a second. You didn't you were sitting prepare there me crying the whole time, wishing you could be married to me. This was, it was in October. That's right. Yeah. You didn't even wish me a happy anniversary. Oh, my goodness. How did I miss it? Uh -huh. I think Please. that you've been married for. Go ahead. 12 years. Pretty good. 13. 13. Oh, Pretty close. Off by one. Look at you. But I've been together with Beth for 21 years. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> I know you knew that. That's why I didn't ask. <laughs> so we had the anniversary. Did you nice. plan something? No, we didn't. You know, no. We just did our usual stuff. We went, you know, we had bang o'clock the night before. She's because you want to do it the night before or you want to do it on the anniversary? Which do you want? <laughs> you don't get both. I said, There's you no know what? <laughs> What's that uh, horrible expression? Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I said, there let's go, go now. Let's go upstairs now. It was, it was October. My anniversary is October 3rd, but October 2nd, I was like bang o'clock. Let's go right in that bed. Because I knew October 3rd could come, which is my anniversary. And, uh, you know. The day can get busy, and the next thing Things you know, you're not having it. Things can go wrong. Things can go yeah. off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> right. You got it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, got up, did a little painting, 
Beth wants me to finish this painting. She wants it to be our Christmas card this year, the painting I'm working on. But I'm not going to have it done in time. I don't have enough time to paint. Uh-huh. I, I well, was going to say, do- are you painting? I, that came to me this weekend because you've been talking about doing so many other things. I was like, where's the painting? I've been painting, but uh, this painting is so big and so involved, and I want it to be good. So I'm taking my time with it. And, you know, I got a bunch of people. No, but mo- most people my age are retired, and they paint all day and night. It's their whole life because, you know, a lot of these people I know who paint were big shots in, uh, you know, they were either lawyers or doctors, and then they take up painting as a hobby in their old age. Mm-hmm. And these fuckers are painting day and night. <laughs> and they're, they're all getting better than me because uh, I don't have the time to They're ahead of you? <laughs> yeah, and you know how competitive I am. <laughs> I want to be the best. And all these people I know are getting better than me. Because why? I don't, I got a real job. They, 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 they booked out. They retired. Their job now is painting. Their job is full-time painting. People, big, big shots who were like, you know, the, the top of their profession, humble themselves and become lowly painters. But they got beautiful studios. They got money, these people, and they sit all day and they paint. Me, I get, I get maybe two or three days to paint. That's it. If and just a couple hours because I got to do you know I got to do stuff for the show and life uh-huh. gets in the way and all that other stuff got the kids everything so I'm not painting that much and so whenever I get chance so best finish that painting so I, I said her you sit with me and make sure I paint but she has to <laughs> sit there in my office and watch me paint <laughs> I told her on the anniversary I said I need you I literally would be lost without you. And I went literally and figuratively. Like, we went for a walk the other day. I got completely lost. She goes, let me see if we can get home. She goes, you, every turn you make is wrong. This is the same walk we take every day. I couldn't get home. Again, she tested me and I failed. And she goes, what would you do without me? I go, I don't know. At this point, it's crazy. I can't do anything without you. Completely dependent on her. So, you know, I'm all in on that marriage. You you do that. You get dependent. Mm-hmm. You don't even Quickly. care about it. Like some people be, you know, I don't want to be that dependent. Not you. I, <laughs> I do care about it. That's what you don't know about me. That's the one thing you don't know about me. I'm upset with myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't like this. I got to be a man at some point. Well, a child. when is that going to happen? You know, you only got minutes left, according to that Springsteen Cougar song or Mellencamp song. Psychiatrist uh, says that's the goal. Get me independent. But, I'm, 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 you know, he's getting old and I'm getting old. He's, he's You'll older have than one me. full day of independence. Is that yeah, I go like, you know, I go with all the money I spent. When is it going to happen already? <laughs> <laughs> How many days, Doc? Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to be normal. I mean, I'm just trying to get so I can live. Like- I don't know what normal is. I, mm-hmm. you know, I watch TV. I go, geez, <laughs> I don't think anybody's normal. Well, that's what I was going to say. We spent all oh, yesterday. We get the, cause I'm famous. We get the, uh, advance on bachelor in paradise season finale. Jesus uh-huh. Christ. Is that a great show? My God. But that's what I was thinking when you said you didn't plan anything. Look at how those guys got crap together to invite those girls to the prom and make it special. You didn't do anything. 
No, no, I do. I make her a card, first of all. Second of oh. all, I, uh, I told you I banged her. Also, <laughs> I got a nice gift for her that she loves. It's personal. I'm not going to bring it up, but it's, th- it's the same gift that she always loves. I give it to her. Are you kidding? And then, uh, and then she goes, oh, our anniversary would be complete if you get Bachelor in Paradise. So I was sweating ah. bullets. It was Sunday. I didn't have it yet. It came in Sunday uh, afternoon. I go, honey, I got Bachelor in Paradise. Boom. Right downstairs we go. <laughs> she goes, you, you, you watch another- Bachelor in Paradise on a big screen? <laughs> yeah. I got the big screen. Got it all set up. Sure. It's a three-hour finale. Ooh. situation and we went downstairs and we started watching that bachelor in paradise we had to break it up into two segments we did an hour and a half then beth had to feed the cats get ready for dinner and then right after dinner we boom we didn't even sit with our cats we ran right downstairs and finished bachelor in paradise i've seen the whole thing it's very good Yeah, three hours you do need an intermission mm-hmm. it was a hell of a you know what and it was a great day i loved it yeah and um it was very romantic but uh, it's fucking Well, I'm crazy. glad you did do something, you know, made it really special. Yeah, it was nice. You know, after uh, 21 years together, I love still being with that woman. So, I mean, that's got to be love. That's real love. When you just can't, you know, you just still get the butterflies when she walks in the room. I wish that well, for everyone. But that's why you should do something special. Like, you're inspired to do something special. Yeah. Listen, she didn't even remember it was our uh, anniversary. I had to tell her. <laughs> it's usually the other way around. Guys sit there like schlubs, and then the, the, the wife walks in and has the card, and happy yeah, anniversary, honey. Yeah, the wife honey. is dropping hints for a month. Yeah, yeah. No, I was like, honey, you know what tomorrow is? What? I go, it's our anniversary. She goes, oh, I didn't even get you a card. And I was like, oh, fuck. Boy, oh, boy. She's like the dude in the relationship. But, uh... I still get the butterflies. She gets nauseous, I get the butterflies. You know what's (laughs) fucking me up, though, is this fucking ring. Don't get this ring. That ring is still getting between you? This ring, it's about 600 bucks. Jimmy Kimmel bought it for my wife. It's an electronic ring, Bluetooth. And what does it do? Kimball, Kimball. It measures how you sleep, and it measures how much exercise you're doing. And it emails you if you're sitting on your fat ass too long. And I refuse to wear it. He bought me one. I refuse to wear it. I don't want an email because I know I sit on my ass too long. Listen to this. By the time we went on our, we went on our walk at 8 a.m. By the time 8 a.m. came about, Beth goes, I've already walked 1.8 miles just in the house. Up and down with the cats and doing all the shit she does. And she vacuums everything. I said, you know, I got to start vacuuming. One point, she did eight, one point, listen to what I'm saying to you, 1.8 miles. And this ring is driving me nuts because the second she sits down, the, like 10 minutes later, the ring goes, don't you think it's time you moved around a little bit? And I said, can you imagine if I put that ring on? That ring is going to be hounding me. You're going to take gonna that get... ring and throw it across the room. You're going to lose uh, it. <laughs> yeah. So when we went on our walk, by the time we got back, she had already done like 5.3 miles. Wow. Yeah. And it goes, you've reached your fitness goal. It's 
It was 10 o'clock in the morning. She reached her fitness goal. The whole rest of the day, she, she didn't have to do anything. So what did she do? She got on the rowing machine, the Hydra. Because now she's watched. She goes, we lay down in bed. She goes, I'm exhausted. She goes, you know, I did 8.1 miles today. Wow. She was never like this. She didn't measure all this bullshit before. Now she and goes, she's Can you in believe great it? shape. It's not like she needed to be in great shape. And so now when she sees she's at six miles, she panics. I know what's going on. I go, this is ruining our lives. You're, 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 now you think every day you should walk 8.1 miles. Well, even if she w- walks the, you know, has done five miles by 8 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning, the thing is going to say, hey, don't you think you should move around right. every hour or two the rest of the day? I put the ring on for 10 minutes. It called me fatso. <laughs> And I know I'm out of shape. Years Are you ago, still I was alive in shape. Is what it said. <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, I got to tell you the truth. I like to paint. I like to do. Uh, you know, I like to watch chess videos. I can't figure out if I'm disturbed about this or not. I wonder what you would think. I'm watching. You know, I go online and watch people playing chess. I love it because I love the game. Uh-huh. This is thing going on in the internet where these really hot white chicks with the big titties they show up in a park where a lot of old black dudes play chess you know they're like street hustlers they do chess and they all they do that. the speed chess right right so these white girls show up in little mini skirts with the belly top you know where you can see the belly and they just see the titty bra whatever it is and titties. they got big titties and they're hot titties. i mean they look hot these girls they're young girls you know yeah. And they sit down and they pretend that they don't know anything about chess. And the idea is that they're going to play. And the whole time they're playing the old black guys, they're like, oh, I, how do you move the rook again? What do you do? So, oh, a friend of mine showed me an opening. You're supposed to move the pieces. And the, and, and the old black guy, you know, he's just trying to hustle a few bucks for himself. And he's like, oh, oh, and he's a sweet guy. He's like, you know, oh, okay, what you do is, this is called castling. And, you know, he's teaching her the game. But she's right. scamming him because she's actually like an international master. She's at master right. level she's chess player. she's hustling him. Yeah. Little white girl, you know, ha, ha, ha to the old black dude. Meanwhile, a little white girl probably went to fucking Princeton, took chess lessons. Uh, you know what I'm saying? She probably studied with a, a chess tutor, all this shit. And then, of course, by the end of the game, she's checkmated the guy. And he's like, oh, fuck. You know, hey, yeah. And she goes, well, I have to be honest with you. I'm. This is actually not my first time. And the guy's like, yeah, no shit, <laughs> douchebag. So I, I don't know. It seems like kind of racist to me in a real weird way. But I don't know exactly. It's like it bothers me. Or maybe well, it's like a uh, class if he's sitting out there hustling people, he should get hustled. I mean, in a way, though, it's kind of like um, these girls are trying to be Superman. In other words, they have their Superman Yeah, moment. but I'm not going to do all of that victimization stuff. If you're no. sitting there asking people to play chess, you're, you're capable of having that happen to you. But I'm talking about what are the white girls up to? What are they trying to say? Ha, they're ha, assholes, ha. too. I'm right. not saying they're not assholes. They're all assholes. Thank you. Everybody's <laughs> That's an why I said nobody's normal. Well, the old black guy ain't doing anything wrong. He's just out there playing chess against people for money. 
if he's hustling, he's playing for money, right? And he expects some guy to come and sit there who doesn't know what he's doing, and he's going to take advantage of Yeah, but what's the white girl's agenda is what I'm saying. He's taking advantage of a guy who takes advantage of people. He's not taking, he, you know he's a hustler. He's sitting there hustling. He know he's not. Well, again, if men want to continually be sucked in by boobs, this is what's going to happen to him. Wow, you're being a little rough. Okay. I'm just being honest. You have set up the world and you, you know, think women are these little precious things. You don't think you need to protect yourself. And every set of boobs gets you all hot and bothered and you forget to think this is what happens to you. I don't like it. It happens I don't in most like... ways. There are very wealthy men who see a set of boobs and lose all their money. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I watched the videos. I like I like when the girl reveals that uh, she's a chess expert. And that's what they're probably doing. They're doing content for their Meh. web pages or something. I don't like it. It's at the expense of other people. Everything's at the expense of other people. Oh, well, in that case, I guess it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying we ought to either be good to each other or this stuff continues to happen. I'll tell you what's most outrageous. I told you, I'm not on, uh, I mean, I have a Twitter account and all that, but I have all the uh, comments. I never have read a comment because I know I get way too affected by people calling me shit and telling me I suck now and I'm, you know, I used to be good. Or I, I just don't like reading all the negativity. It fucks my it fucks with my head, so I... I got the Twitter, but I'm not on it. I don't actively work it. And on Instagram, I've got a small account where I let 27 people on who are all painters. And don't bother friending me on there because I'm not going to accept it. I because I don't want the comments about my paintings and shit. And I don't want, I don't want any of it. I like being in my own universe. It's hard enough. I'm a fucked up guy. I have a hard time holding on to my own opinion. You people have too much effect on me. I'm being honest. So what? Beth, of course, yeah, Beth, of course, has Instagram where she all she's trying to do on there is get cats adopted. Get them good homes. It's the sweetest account. If you want sweet, there it is. Go to her account. Beth O'Stern. But uh, people people comment on her thing and she and then she comes running upstairs to me. She goes, you're not going to believe what this guy wrote. I go, honey. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't want to know. I'm, no, you got to hear this guy's an asshole. This guy's a douchebag. I go, okay. Now she sucked me in. What do you write? So, um, Beth's, Beth's, you know, post was what could be better than Etta Jane? Etta Jane of these, this mommy cat who has two little kitten babies or three babies. I don't know how many babies she's got, but Etta Jane, you know, she's trying to get Etta Jane's uh, out there, let people get to know her and someone take her in. Sweet cat. And people, most people are nice. They're like, oh, wow, what a great picture. Oh, man, she looks like the male version of my cat. Same pink nose, green eyes, all very sweet. Then you get to this guy. His name is HRH underscore Chris underscore Joseph. That's his name. He goes, um, so Beth says, what could be better than that? And he goes, the fact that we all know you're banging other dudes and Hampton's Howie can't figure it out. <laughs> wow. She goes, <laughs> so I go, what the fuck? 
And then we go to the guy's account, and the guy's like talking about God, and he loves his dog, and I think he's got kids. I'm like, what kind of fuckhead sits at home with kids and writes, hey, you're banging other dudes with Hampton's Howie. And Hampton's Howie's supposed to be like fucking with me because I live in the Hamptons, and that means I got some dough, and therefore I'm a piece of shit, you know. That's supposed to indicate that. And the don't deserve does. fidelity. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I, yeah. In other words, she's just with me for my money. It couldn't possibly be anything redeemable or redeeming or sexy about me to a woman. Like I'm a complete fucking asshole. And she's got to be banging other dudes. What a thing to write. You know. Yeah. That's you're banging. Why I said. Now, everybody, you know, like people don't know that about him, probably in his day to day life. And they think mm. he's a great guy or whatever his little circle is. But that's what's really seething under the the skin. Yeah. He's a he's a fuckhead. In a way, it's kind of cool that a guy would even be jealous of me because I've spent you know a good portion of my life being invisible to most men and women because my upbringing was so fucked up. You know, didn't come from any money, didn't come from, you know, grew up in a shithole. And, you know, it's weird to have a guy calling me Hamptons Howie and thinking I've got it all made, you know, but. Right. Okay. Mr. Silver Spoon now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like everything was just handed to me in life, like Prince Charles or some shit. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a regular Prince fucking Charles over here. Yeah, Trust yeah. When me, I grew I up. I knew in a, it when he didn't have anything. Yeah. It, I grew up in a palace. <laughs> oh, my God. My early days in radio were very bleak. <laughs> Robin saw me driving the Valiant. It wasn't a good Ooh. look. But uh, the used Valiant. I felt like we were the Beverly Hillbillies coming into town. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Big radio stars. Anyway, so HRH Chris Joseph writes that Beth's banging all the other dudes. And I'm like, wow. But all of uh, Beth's followers started attacking this guy. You piece of shit, you fuck. What do you got to fucking come on a, 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 a Instagram that's trying to save some cats and fuck with it? Nothing sacred. She's not doing it to get famous. She's not. She just wants to save cats. That's her whole fucking agenda. So this guy got slammed so bad he took down his account. I think. Uh. Yeah. He had a he had a like close up shop. That was the end of it. H R H Chris Joseph says. Uh, Beth's banging other dudes. <laughs> so then Beth's sitting there while I'm painting, trying to tell me, listen, how could he, this guy think I'm banging other dudes? I haven't left the house in a year. <laughs> I go, how honey, is she getting the guys in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go, honey, I believe you. I don't believe HRH, whatever his name is. I don't believe that you're banging other dudes. Cause if you are, you're, you're like Houdini. You're fucking <laughs> these guys somehow without me knowing it in this house. Uh, somehow you're pulling that off. God bless you. But what a weird thing. And the guy seemed like a decent guy, too. It was kind of like, you know, he's got he's talking about how he loved his dog and the dog's in heaven and uh, he's praying to God. And but the, but, but that's when it comes my point. To, There's a facade you know, and underneath is, you know, Hampton's Howie. You're fucking around on him. Oh, here's the guy. And he's not a bad looking dude. He's like a nice, tall guy. He writes HRH uh, Chris Joseph, Katie's owner forever. Katie is his border collie. Uh, border collie father in God's arms, Katie. 
Like he seems like a like a like a a decent man, but if you love a dog and you're on a cat lover's website, but you got to give me the zing out of you. That's the yeah. point. How does that come out of you? Because it's there. You had to He's give me the zing. Covering up his assholeness yeah. with his Katie love. Katie's dad. Katie's. Katie, order collie father in God's arm. Katie, in God's arm. He believes in God, but he right. Yeah, you're banging other dudes. None of it makes sense, Howard. It's, you know, people say incongruous things all the time. Yeah. They contradict themselves in the same sentence. Gary told me the Yankees are in the playoffs. Yes. And, um, you know. They did it by like like the skin of their teeth. I and, thought they weren't even going to make it, so I was surprised when I saw they had a first playoff game. Yeah, they get like a one shot deal against the Boston Red Sox, which is always that rivalry. Right. Like one game, do or die. And uh, I don't know anything about sports. So, did you know, they I'm, win, I'm just, or has that game still no, yet to gotta, be played? It's got to go down. Oh, okay. I think that's the first game of the playoffs. So, in other words, the Boston Red Sox pulled off the same miracle that the, the Yankees did. I think I got that right. If I got it wrong, fuck you. I don't know anything about it. I don't. I told you I watch Bachelor in Paradise. I'm mostly. I you would think I had a vagina the way I carry on. Well, I'm the man of this uh, little yeah. duo because I watched the first part of uh, the New England Patriots versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, okay. So that was the first time that um, Tom Brady yeah. has gone back to uh, the Patriot Stadium to play a game and play against Bill Belichick. Oh, wow. How'd he do? It was a, a rough uh, first half. That young quarterback came out and all of a sudden started making his uh, offense work. And then I had to go to sleep. So, oh. I have to so you don't, how manly are you? You know what? You're still mostly vagina. You do, you, a real man would have stayed up and watched the end of the game. What's the matter with you? Here's a real man. Here's Baba Fugi. Go ahead. Uh, Brady won, but it was close. Of it course. It was a very close game. Brady, uh, inevitably, the Buccaneers won. I think, I think it was like 19 to 17. It was like a, two, a close game. And the other manly thing Gary told me, that uh, the Jets and the Giants both won their game, which oh, is in overtime. A overtime, game, both of them. First they make one of the you sweat for both. They wow. make you sweat. They make you sweat. Those teams. They don't. They so don't now, win easy. Now they're both one and three. Nice. <laughs> but it was good because the, the the Jets have a new quarterback and he looked really good, or you know he showed some promise. And the Giants quarterback, who you know people have been questioning, has had a couple of good games in a row, and he was he looked great yesterday. You know what? I'm going to say something controversial. Fuck the Giants and the Jets because you know what they do? They win a game and they make you think, oh, things are going to now turn we're around now. The corner, right? <laughs> they fuck with you. They should just lose every game so you don't you don't have any false hope forever. You know what it, it, the psychology is? Oh, okay, the Jets quarterback, the new guy is uh, sort of, sort of coming around. Next season, it's all going to gel, and then you get all hopeful, right? Exactly. Am I right? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Yesterday was. Yesterday was the first bright spot of this. There's a whole new regime. There's a new general manager. There's a new coach. There's a new quarterback. And so you, you know, you're waiting for like the bad, you know, uh, the, the, there's a new culture being formed at the Jets, theoretically. That's, the, you see, that's how they suck you in that team. Yep. 
every <laughs> year. Every, every year there's year. something new that's going to make it better. The QB starts to look like he's got the team gelling. The whole thing seems to be coming together. You, go, you know what? Next year, you're going to see. They're going to have it all. Then they, they start again. They start losing. They, you just I gave up on all I, of it. I, I used to what, be a big I Giants lo- fan. I love this new coach. I love this Jets new coach. He's just, you know, he's, he's got a lot of energy, and he seems like, you know, he's going to change. The, you know, the Jets really are the, the, the laughing stock of the NFL. They're the punching bag. And he really, like, somebody's got to come in at some point and change things. So, this, you know, you hope this is the guy. Unbelievable to me that a New York team, with all those fans and all that money, they can't pull that shit together. I mean, it's well, the Giants. And the how Giants many have had can many... we not pull together? But, but Howard, the Giants have won Super Bowls. You know, I know, a bunch. I know. The Jets know. haven't won. Or the Jets haven't even been near a Super Bowl since '69. Not even close. How can that be? How can that be? How can that be? It's impossible. No, it's not in New York. Look at the Knicks. Look at the you know. It's ownership. Ownership is the problem. Anyway, well, I uh, looked at that football game last night, and I was really enjoying it because I don't even want to watch the Jets or the Giants anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm going to become a Tampa Bay fan. That's what I'm going to do. No, you can't do that. It's too late <laughs> for that. That's going to look like a bogus-ass move. You do that, I'm going to laugh at you. You're not, you're not going to be a Tampa Bay fan all of a sudden hop on that bandwagon. You just sit there. In that house of yours, and you and, be a Jet or Giant with fan. with the Jets and the Giants. Yeah, you just sit there like everyone else. You're going to be a Tampa fan. You can't do that now. It's too late in the game for that. Hey, what are you wearing over there all sexy? Is that for Jake Gyllenhaal well, with your arms showing like that? all day, isn't it? Look what Robin did. She cut out the um, her, sho- her shoulders, have bare skin on them. Look at that shirt. I, you... <laughs> You you are trying to seduce Jake Gyllenhaal, aren't you? Well, you know, you played a clip earlier that he said he Jeez. he hopes to be married uh, someday, and I'm yep. like, okay, maybe <laughs> now's the time. <laughs> Robin put on a sexy top over there. Look at Jeez. you. <laughs> I wish you luck. I hope he I hope he falls for it. <laughs> I've never seen you dress so sexy for a guest before. I, I you was need like, these what big am I, tits. I, Oh, you should have seen how long I took to pick the outfit. <laughs> I bet. She didn't even consult it's moist. me. moist. You sat down this morning. I said, oh, I know what's going on. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Never dresses like that for me. Like a national Jump holiday. in my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look terrific. I mean, although he's got a girlfriend. I saw them on the... Ah, at does? the uh He's supermodel. Jesus, gorgeous girl. I was looking at pictures. You know, I was like, you know, reading up on him because he's coming in today. And yeah. He's got the, Jesus, some girlfriend. Not own, you should see. But you know what? With that shirt, you got a shot. I could turn his head. You could turn his head. <laughs> Believe me, you could. Or should I throw in the shoes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's a bend over the sink uh, shirt. <laughs> I know what you're doing over there. Good for you. You know what? You ain't married yet. That's right. Mm-hmm. Good for you. No, I knew what was up. I think I want it right now. <laughs> well, you got to wait till later when he comes in. Yeah, I'll fuck you. <laughs> you look terrific, though, I got to say. It's a sexy, you know, because really... We see you from the waist up, and that's a sexy look. Yeah, you got to figure out how do you bring sex into a, a headshot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, he's dating Are a French you model. Fuck me?
And she's some looker. She's some good looking girl. I mean, my goodness. Robin? Yes. Like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I think, uh, I think this kid might settle down. You think this is it? He might yeah. actually get married. If, if he doesn't marry this, Girl. who's good enough? Who's good like enough? This. <laughs> Who, who's good enough for him? Me. <laughs> well, you, you, you look terrific. You really do. Fuck me, baby. Uh, All right. Easy over there. I don't know if that kind of language is going to get. <laughs> That kind of language isn't going to win him over. You got to be a lady. No, that's not French. He likes a French accent. <laughs> no, Jake went to the Tonys with his new girlfriend. That's how I know about it. The Tony Awards, the uh, acting awards. You watch and the Tonys? No, I go online and I Google. Oh, so you Jake just saw him girlfriend. at the Tony Awards. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he was wearing a outfit there that matched hers. And very nice. They're dressing alike already? That's what I'm saying. Oh, you better turn on be the charm. Over. It could mm. be over. <laughs> that is the Mate. most beautiful dick I've ever seen. Uh, you know what? Go put your flannel shirt back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, listen. He's a good-looking dude. I was watching his new movie on Netflix, Jake Gyllenhaal. I, and, uh, I watched that this weekend, too. Yeah, and my, I said to my wife, you think, we were watching it together. I go, yeah, everyone says Jake Gyllenhaal's good looking. You think he's good looking? And she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> quickly, right? That yeah, is quickly. like an immediate answer. And then immediately I go, well, how could you be into me? I don't have anything. I mean, maybe I have a, like, we both have a full head of hair. I guess that's about it. <laughs> You know, other than that, there's nothing remotely similar. The movie's called The Guilty, by the way. Check it out on Netflix. Um, yeah, it's mostly Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will fuck you hard like a teacher. You know what? You know how there's voices on the phone during his movie? You know who yeah. one of the voices is? That girl I like. Riley Keough. Riley Keough. I wish you could see her. I know. I said, well, which yeah. one was she? When they rolled those credits and there were all these names, I was like, where were all those people? She's the girl on the phone. Jake Gyllenhaal. She's the no, wife. I know on the, where everybody yeah. is uh, yeah. on the phone, but it was just like there was a huge list. Bill Burr is in the movie. Yeah, don't tease me with uh, Riley Keough and then now let me see her. She she was in that TV show. God, I love that show. The first season. They stay I haven't watched all the subsequent seasons, but the first season of uh Girlfriend she plays a Experience. Girlfriend Experience. Yeah. She, she plays a high price call girl. Holy shit. Yeah, that was the best season. Mm. I've tried to watch some of the others. And don't care about like it, right? Yeah. yeah. Me neither. Yeah, I don't care about it. God. Yeah. I was busy with the TV. I was trying to, you know, one of one of the movies uh, Jake was in. Of course, everybody knows Brokeback Mountain, but one of the other movies he was in was uh, the Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The last Spider-Man movie. Yeah, he played Mysterio. Yeah. Can't, you know what? But all this, you know how many streaming services I have? I got about, I don't know how many, but. I can't even keep track of how many, yeah. 
So I said, I must get Spider-Man Homecoming uh, for free somewhere. So I went on Disney Plus because they, you know, they bought a lot of the Sony. They got, Sony they own Marvel. Yeah. Well, they don't own everything because they don't have Spider-Man Homecoming on there. So then. Oh, that's when they had to make a deal with Sony. Well. Because I think Sony owns Spider-Man. Someone says to me, it's on Hulu. I have Hulu. So I go on Hulu, type in Spider-Man Homecoming, which takes me an hour with that fucking search thing. <laughs> and it tells me, you know what? You cheap fuck, you don't have the right Hulu. Uh, what Hulu do you have? I thought I, had, I have Hulu Premium or something. And they, they go, well, you got to get Hulu Deluxe if you want to see Spider-Man Homecoming, asshole. They, they're banking on you wanting it so bad that you're going to pay 60 bucks a month for Hulu. 60? Yeah, 60 bucks That's a month crazy. for Hulu, and then you get to see Spider-Man Homecoming. And, Go on uh, Amazon or a Apple TV and rent it. Yeah, well, I was pissed by then. I was like, why do I have to rent it? I got so many streaming services. This is bullshit. <laughs> At least it's not 60 bucks a month if you rent it. You need Hulu with live TV package to watch Spider-Man, whatever that That's is. Ridiculous. I don't know what that is. You know, I just evidently I don't have that. No, nobody guarantee- has that. Why would you have that? No. You have cable. I know. <laughs> You don't need What's that. going on? I said, every time I try to watch something, I get cock blocked. <laughs> I really do. Then my guys figured out to get it for me and then put it on this Plex thing. I had, And then the audio wasn't good. So I never got to refresh my memory. But I remember Mysterio. That was pretty cool. I want to ask him about that. I think my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movie besides Brokeback Mountain was is code source i think cold sore where he gets a hurt not <laughs> no cold what'd you say cold sore i think it's called code source i meant to look oh, up code the source yes i thought you said cold sores i go man yeah. i'm not watching that <laughs> yes it's where a bunch <laughs> of guys sleep with the same girl and all get cold sores <laughs> oh really <laughs> bunch of guys get cold sores <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, but uh, yeah, he was he was great in that. That's it's one of those complicated uh, plots, but I love that movie. Yep, his acting career started in high school. He got the role of uh, Tevya, Fiddler on the Roof. Great show. Maybe I'll do a little number with him. I I know that song by heart. <laughs> he could play Tevya. I'll play Golda. You know, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? After 25 years, I fuck for you. <laughs> That's knowing the song. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Does he know it? I don't know. You should know but it. He's an actor. The other thing I watched, Howard, and I don't have you watched um, the, the Sopranos prequel? Yeah, I watched that. Did you like it? I liked it. I liked it. Well, I spent half the movie trying to figure out who was who. I know. That was, I had to go watch it again because I was like, wait a minute, who is that? And I, and and it was bothering me because some of these were Tony's guys. Yeah. But they were older than Tony by a long shot. And so I was like, well, how could Big Pussy be that old if, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a little confusing yeah. that way. But I anything with the mob, I did I enjoy it, and you know, I could tell that David Chase took the reins and 
wrote a good script. Do it with me. Do you love me? That's the woman's part. No, that's Tevya. Oh, he's he, saying that to Goldie? Yeah. All right, you play Tevya. I'll be Goldie. No, I can do it. I don't have the words, do but I'll do it. Do you love me? What? Do you love me? Do I love you? Do I love you? Is that the line? <laughs> can I do it? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town. You're upset. You're worn out. Go inside. Go lie down. Do you love me? <laughs> I'm not acting with you. <laughs> I can do the debut part. All right. Another time. You got to rehearse. Um, Give me the words. No, you have to do it from memory. <laughs> hey, I want to just mention hydro. It is unbelievable, this thing. My wife does it every day. If I tell you she is so ripped from it, I swear to God, it's mind-blowing. And she's smiling on there. I, I go, honey, you're the only... She goes, I love it. I love the hydro. And, uh, man... I mean, first of all, it's a hydro rolling machine. And, you know, they, they say in the commercial, you work up to 86% of your muscles while rowing. And it's yes. true because you're working your core, you're working the legs, you're working your ass, you're working everything, the arms, you're the back. You're working your back, your arms. Yeah. I'm shocked how she's stuck with it. She loves it. They got instructors on there. It's got its own TV screen. And you like row. rowing and, with a friend. Yeah. And you row on the Charles River. They or sometimes some go other to Pittsburgh. Sometimes they're in Miami. Sometimes they're in other they places. They went to Pittsburgh. There's Did a, they? there's a, yeah, the, what's that called? The Three Rivers or something in the Pittsburgh area? Well, Three area? River Stadium is right there. There's three rivers that converge right, right there in Pins in Philadelphia. Well, well they're Pittsburgh, on one of those rivers. They're on one of those rivers. I didn't get to watch Saturday Night Live. I, I watch it like on uh, Twitter. You know, they, they, like, they put out the open to the show on Twitter. Uh-huh. And I watch it on there. So I saw that they had a guy playing President Biden. And um, they did, like, you know how they do the opening, then they go, hey, live yeah. from New York. You know, they did a President Biden thing. But I saw the musical guest was uh, Casey Musgrave. I don't even know who she is, but she's kind of hot. And, she's uh, a they were, country uh, star, I guess. I paid attention because the headline was... She might have performed naked or she was trying to look naked. And I'm like, let me check that out. Okay. <laughs> now you got my attention. So I watched her performance. And she's sitting there like a like in low lighting on a stool with her legs crossed. And the guitar is blocking her, you know, the JJ, her vagina and her uh, titties. Yeah. And she's sitting there, very sexy, a woman, no question. But um, I got a feeling she was wearing a bathing suit or something, you know, something. You think there was something under there? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then I missed it. Yeah, I, I didn't I don't know the song she was doing, but uh, they said <laughs> this is what gets me. Casey Musgraves was inspired by a scene in Forrest Gump. She tweeted a screenshot of the scene from the movie that night. And I'm like, who knew that? I don't remember a scene where someone's sitting there singing naked in Forrest Gump. Do you? 
Well, I certainly didn't look at Casey Musgrave singing naked and think of Forrest Gump. Yeah. It wasn't until I read in the paper that she was doing that. I was like, oh, I remember Jenny Forrest's, you know, love interest who was played by Robin Wright. Yeah. She always wanted to be a singer and she wound up like being a stripper or something. And Mm. one scene, she's sitting on stage naked with this guitar in front of her playing and singing. Oh, yeah, that was Robin Wright was Forrest Gump's girlfriend. I forgot that. Oh, God, yeah. is she hot? Oh, my God, is that woman hot? Jesus, Robin Wright Penn. That well, is Robin some Wright sexy Penn. woman. <laughs> well, right, Robin Wright. She was Robert Wright Penn, and, you know, it's Hollywood. But uh, what a sexy woman that was, or is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Who believed that Forrest Gump could get Robin Wright? Give me a break. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there was nothing believable in the movie, but it, to sit, give me something to, to believe. Guy who's that, you know, mentally challenged, getting Robin Wright. But, uh, yeah, when they, when they said that she was inspired by Forrest Gump, I'm like, fuck that. Who even knew that? She just wants to, you know, make it artsy. She just wanted to be naked on... Uh, well, you know, somebody said here that, you know, movie, movie's 30 years old. Nobody remembers that she's just sitting there naked. We don't know she's referring back to a movie. Hmm. Yeah. There was a time when, uh, you know, I used to flirt with nudity in my career. Cover of uh, the book, the book, Private Parts. I'm nude except my, like, hands are over my peen. Mm-hmm. No trouble uh, co- covering that little nugget you didn't need a guitar is what you're saying. no i didn't need a whole guitar to cover that thing i remember shooting the picture too i'm like shit there were girls around i got to make sure i'm well covered here i don't want them accidentally seeing i got nothing under these hands <laughs> you know i'm trying to act like i got something jeez i was kind of proud of the way you know i was in shape i look kind of good on that cover now Meanwhile, I've taken my two big hands covering my cock. Meanwhile, I just needed my thumb. I, didn't even, I should have just had a thumb covering it, you know. <laughs> that would have been funnier. <laughs> Sitting there with my big, yeah, I got a lot to cover up here. Thinking I'm all sexy. What a douche. Meanwhile, maybe I was a little bit sexy back then, you know. You were in good shape. I was in good shape. Nice body. Had the flowing hair. Yeah, I had that long Fabio look. Yeah, it was like a Fabio. <laughs> But uh, I still had that fart man ass. I could never get. I could never get that under control. I was running eight miles a day, lifting weights, doing squats. I still had those dimples in my ass, the cellulite. Never could get that's, it off. That's why I don't understand how practically everyone who does the Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise or the Bachelorette, they're all in great shape. Because they don't work. That's the key. You can't. You can't have a job. One of the how do those guys film all summer? There's a guy there, forty years old. Uh, he's with a, a nice looking girl. They're on that paradise. This fucking guy, you got to watch this Bachelor in Paradise. This guy's walking around with his junk hanging out. He just fucking walks around naked. He's a total douche. <laughs> you know, he's in great shape. The guy's totally ripped. Obviously, has a huge fucking cock. Instead of making it a surprise for the ladies that he's got a huge cock. He just he walks there. He walks in on Bachelor in Paradise. He's totally fucking naked. What was that guy's name? Do you remember? Kenny. Kenny. 
this fucking asshole, Kenny. And I'm like, look at this fucking guy. You got a big cock. That's supposed to be a surprise. But yeah, he's so, why ad, he's advertising. He's, I mean, if you seriously, if you met a guy, I don't care how good looking he is. He's walking around with his whole junk out. His cock and balls are right, right in your face. You're eating, and the guy's eating with his cock and balls. Like, he, he's just not wearing a bathing suit. They're all wearing bathing suits. He decided he's going to have his cock and balls. And you know what happens? These girls get to the island. Like, he's 40 years old. There's this 25-year-old who's totally in love with him, and she's hot. And I'm saying, the whole time I'm yelling at Beth, I go, doesn't she realize this fucker does not have a job? If he does, it's got to be, you know, some fucking job where this guy hasn't put an ounce into his career. He's got to live in a van, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got to live in a van. (laughs) Last year, they had some guy. Good-looking dude. He lived in a van. And this, the best-looking girl on there go, falls in love with him, and he goes, well, I live in a van. I don't, and she goes, I don't care. I'll go live in a van with you. Good. Fuck. Being good-looking has its advantages. But this season on this Bachelor in Paradise, they got this guy walking around fucking balls out naked, and no one says to him, hey, douchebag, put your fucking clothes on. Not one person says it. And Not he's all tatted up. Girls, nobody. They just let him walk around that way. And the dude is all tattooed up like he's a rock star. Meanwhile, you know, and if you're going to be that tattooed up, you better have a job that allows that. You first better, you better get the be career a going. Creative, you know? Yeah. I don't know what he's not. He's not Mick Jagger. What is he doing that he could be fully tattooed with his cock and balls out like that? And instead of this chick laughing at him and going, you know, look at this fucking asshole. Is this marriage material? Guy walks around with his cock and balls out. She's head over heels in love. She's fighting with other girls to get him. Yeah. <laughs> What's this guy do? They, they said on the little thing, uh, he manages a boy band in Florida. Imagine that's your manager. He's walking around with his cock and balls out. Who's going to take him seriously? And, and the boy and, band is not in sync. Yeah. Huh. And what's the boy band doing? Putting their career on hold while this asshole's trying to find love? What an asshole this guy is. Walking around with his cock and balls out. Like full on out. What the fuck? I'm sitting there with Beth. I go, what is, what is this? And yeah, the guy's really a good looking dude. And the girls, they fall for it. 25 year old girl, madly in love with him. Wait till they get off that island. And the guy's got to, now he's got to take her out to dinner and ask to borrow a $10 bill. <laughs> Excuse me. You got any cash with you? Well, 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 on the island, we always ate and you, and you, well, I didn't have to pay for it then. That's right. Everything was paid for. I couldn't believe this guy's walking around naked. I couldn't believe it. Who, even if I had a big cock, which I wish I did, would I, would I, over the years, would I have shown it to Robin if she wanted to see it? Sure. <laughs> Not even in a sexual way. I would have just, she said, let me see that thing. And I'd say, okay, come over here. Take a look. <laughs> I'd probably let you touch it too. If you wanted to. Yeah, sure. Why not? If it's big. Why not? Let you play with it a little bit. Give you something to do during the show. <laughs> Let you manipulate it. <laughs> but he, you know, he just like, you know, if I had a big cock, I'd be like Superman. I, I keep that as, I keep it quiet. You know what I mean? And then once in a while, I'd show it. To my yeah, I mean, or, it's, it's crazy that he's walking around like that and. Right. Nobody says anything. No, I mean, it, it, you know, okay, if you want to walk around naked? girls were walking around like that, it was like, oh, no, you got to cover up. I, I, I was shocked that the girls were fighting over this guy. That's a very odd fucking piece of behavior right there. Well, that's where, you you know, you see 
how girls get into trouble. These girls yep. can't figure out how to pick a guy to save their lives. This guy was not marriage material, but <laughs> I saw the ending. I don't want to. I don't want to reveal. What don't happened. blow it for me. No, I won't blow it. I know better. I know what to do. I'm a professional broadcaster. A lot of these <laughs> podcasters would reveal <laughs> they're not professionals. I was looking up something uh, about the, the Bachelor in Paradise, and I discovered there's a podcast uh, oh, yeah. that's called For the Right Reasons. <laughs> oh, if they're there for the right reasons, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I might have to check that out. <laughs> I like to know. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, let's see. Mike from Maine, what's up? Hey now, Howard. Hey now. Howard, I fucking missed you, man. I haven't talked to you since you've been back on air. Hey I just missed you. you the, the shows were, uh, the replays were great all summer, by the way. Uh, so I need to ask Robin a very important question. Robin, do you have any moisture left in your vagina after thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal all weekend long? Uh, what kind of question is that? <laughs> it's just a factual question, Howard. I don't mean disrespect to Robin. Well, lady. Well, is there, is there any moisture left, Robin? Ever ready, ever ready. Oh, you're always ready. Ever okay, ready. Robin's ready. Oh my God. Ever ready. I'm getting some fun. Get out of here. What kind of fucking question. And what else? See, Shatner's going to go into space? No. Is that true? Shat William Shatner from the Star Trek may soon be the oldest person to visit space at the age of 90 years old. Imagine that. He's 90. Why would you want 90 years old? I can't believe it. TMZ reports that Shatner will be part of the second launch of Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin on October 12th. And man, I find that hard to believe. Now there, I guess he has to go, huh? Shit, I'm a, first of all at my age. I'm not anywhere near his age, and I'm pretty old in the. I got to pish every 10 fucking minutes. What's he going to do in that space? What do they give you? I think they got a little contraption there. Mm. Oh, you think they attach something to your penis so you can pee in space? I think so, yeah. They better. They better. Because you can't have liquid floating around in zero gravity. Right. So they oh, got to capture cool. any liquid that comes out. You mean William Shatner's penis will emit liquid and then it'll just be floating around in the air? You That's think right. that would you be have this... big bubbles of liquid floating around? Yeah, don't you have to pay like uh, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to get on this spaceship and then the whole experience is ruined because Shatner, you know, shits his <laughs> pants or pisses and it's floating around right in your face? <laughs> I mean, my God. Oh, I think I know who this is. Uh oh. I know who it is. It's it's George. George Takei from the from the Star Trek. How you doing, George? Yeah. Howard, as you are uh, well aware, I am a huge proponent of space travel. But a man who shows not one iota of interest in aeronautics should not be invited into space. <laughs> you know, Bill Shatner uh, was never interested in NASA, in space, in the moon, in, in aeronautics. I, I bet he can't even name three constellations. Well, listen. I know you're on Star Trek, but looks like Shatner beat you to it. He's got a he's got an invite to go on that Jeff Bezos thing. 
He's motivated only by one thing. Publicity. Oh, look at me. Look at me. The, the damn attention whore. You know, he's probably just doing this to sell more dumb autographs. He is truly, truly a monstrous leviathan. Do you think you should be the one to go into space first before Shatner? You know, uh, this space trip could have been offered to uh, uh, me, but I think a more fitting candidate. Uh, you know, they've never had an openly gay Asian astronaut in space. Uh, That's true. If, if if Mr. Bezos is listening, he should know. I, I'd be willing to make a uh, the suborbital journey. You know, my fascination with the final frontier is boundless, more so than uh, William Shatner. I well, own several telescopes, and I gaze at the constellations all the time. Brad, where's my telescope? <laughs> Brad, oh. get it out of the window. We're not using it to watch that boy next door. I need it for the stars. Brad! Yep, there's what's going on. A lot of jealousy. Rachel, you're on in Pennsylvania. Uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard about uh, William Shatner going to space is I want to see his toupee flying around in zero gravity. Oh, that's oh, crazy. Absolutely. It, it'd absolutely. be like the squirrel's mane. Oh, George is for that. <laughs> what's that? The people mistook it for a squirrel? Yeah, <laughs> it looked like a squirrel's mane just floating in space. <laughs> I hope his yeah. toupee doesn't crawl away and hit the ejector button. That would be devastating. <laughs> I don't think the feud between William Shatner and Mr. Takei is going to ever end. I, I really, truly don't. Not is based that on going this. to live after them? Uh, I think so. I think that I think that's what people are going to remember more more than anything. Oh, uh, by the, by the way, way, what was that uh, island you were speaking of earlier? The uh, oh, Bachelor in Paradise. Yes, I think Brad and I would like to book a trip. <laughs> Brad, get me on the first flight pronto. An entire island of men swinging their voluminous dongs. Me <laughs> in Kenny no, it was just Gusta. <laughs> it was one guy who was walking around with his dong out. Dong Island. <laughs> <laughs> Avocado balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, you'll like I'm this. Stranded. You'll like this. In other Shatner space news, Bill has released a new album of spoken word music. Oh, no. Oh, how deplorable. The album, Bill, the album is called Bill, includes a, tr includes a track called So Far From the Moon, where Shatner recounts watching the Apollo moon landing. Want to hear it? Yeah. Come okay. on, George. Here it is. The Apollo mission took off planet watched enthroned but man's greatest achievement made this man feel so small i stared up at the sky the stars like little pins if i ever go with dancing is you know if i go on dancing with the stars i'll probably dance to this you want to dance good. to this <laughs> yeah make a total jackass out of myself oh guess what he uh, thinks the milky way is a chocolate bar he's uh, an idiot <laughs> Well, I know you guys, there's no love lost there, but according to TMZ, Shatner's flight is being comped. Of course, um, he's not paying yeah. for it. A spot on the first flight auctioned off for 20 million bucks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. People really want to go into space. And that guy didn't even go. He gave it away. 
I'm telling you, he's doing this all for publicity. He he thinks that at nine years old, people uh, uh, have forgotten him. But people haven't forgotten him, and he wants to be remembered forever. And, it, you know, it's wrong. I have a song, too, you know. Uh, uh, Shatner thinks he can still sing. I, I you know, there's a Allegiance, of course, you know, and uh, a great song. Mm. Our time now, it's uh, when Kay reflects on his dead mother. You know, it's time to serve, my strength to give, my blood to offer. I can <laughs> sing it from safe, from uh, outer space. Bezos, well, uh, I'm willing to sing up there. Well, you sound great. And uh, by the way, William Shatner and George Takei will be at New York Comic Con this weekend. Oh, George is I charging be, uh, very far away from uh, Bill. George is charging $100 for a photo opportunity and $80 for an autograph. Shatner's charging $100 for a photo op and $100 for an autograph. So he's charging 20 more bucks for his autograph than you. So yeah, you see, uh, and, and I pay my, uh, my uh, assistants. He, he probably cashes in on all of it and uh, uh, probably charges an extra service fee. No, I don't know about that. So, all right, you two he's go back. He's always trying to one-up me. Yeah, well, I wish you luck with that. You got there's not too many Star Trekers left, you know. The, no, the movies, no, no. The originals are all dying out. Brad, get my autographs ready. Brad, make sure they're polished. I want them uh, reflecting my beautiful face. Come on, Brad. All right, see you later. I wondered who his assistants were. I said, "Oh, the assistants are Brad." <laughs> Brad. Uh. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of other stuff here. Well, it just reminded me of something. You know, like, I looked at that whole thing of going to space, and I yeah. was like, ah, that doesn't look appealing to me. But Hell now no. there's this new company that's put, it's going to make these huge balloons. Oh. And they're going to float you up into space. Are you kidding? You would and do it's that? a full first-class experience. It takes like the, 12 hours. It's not like some 12-minute flight like these others. It's a balloon. 12 hours to get up there, but the whole time you're luxuriating in first-class accommodations and probably eating a beautiful meal and drinking, and then when you get up into weightlessness, you have that experience, and then you come hmm. down in uh, you know another while. So that sounds more accommodating. Mm, please. That sounds like the Hindenburg, the big giant <laughs> balloon. Are you crazy? Like one big space Hindenburg. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you're not doing any of that. You sit at home. <laughs> I don't know when we're ever going to get out again. Uh, I can't well, figure uh, out what's going on. You heard on. about the Merck uh, pill, yeah. right? Yeah, I heard about that. That, that should get good. us out, don't you think? That would get me out. I just know it's weird, like Dr. Fauci saying, I don't even know if people are going to be able to get together for Christmas. And then I got friends of mine, they're all traveling, they're all out doing shit, they go to restaurants. I know a couple of people got the COVID that were vaccinated. One of them needed oxygen. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's uh, you'll probably live, but, you know, it's not fun, but. It, no, it doesn't, you know, know, we've heard a few people saying that it wasn't a walk in the park no. getting COVID after vaccination. But some people are completely asymptomatic. That's what I think yeah. people are hanging their hat on. And I know, if the, like I always say, if these idiots would just get vaccinated in our country, we'd have a better shot just getting rid of the whole damn thing. But 
Well, now teachers today in New York City won't be able to come to work if they don't have a vaccine. Well, now you're talking. I see now the numbers are going up of people who are vaccinated because they're forcing them to do it. Otherwise, you can't work. Oh, fuck yourself. You get you got to get to you got to get vaccinated. At least one airline has made it mandatory that all of their uh, employees get vaccinated. It's happening. Jesus, I was getting all upset with the women in Texas can't get an abortion now. It's just fucking unbelievable. I mean, I had a day, you know, we got to cut the crap in this country. You got to have an election where uh, there's no more of this um, electoral college. You got to have the the overall winner wins. That's it. Well, how are you going to get rid of that? You have to make an amendment to the Constitution, which will never happen with the Congress we have now. I read something like only 30% of the country is against abortion. And um, instead, we're, we're getting ruled by the minority. And then they got this kooky Supreme Court that was appointed by Trump. He said, listen, if I win, I'm going to get you people, you religious nuts. I'm going to get you, going to get rid of your abortion. Uh, anti-abortion bills. Yeah. Meanwhile, all those religious nuts, they're going to need abortions too. They don't get, hey, listen, I'll tell you the truth. Here it is. If guys could get pregnant, you've heard this before, but it's nothing profound. But if guys got pregnant, you would have abortion available on every corner in this country. On demand. Imagine if, yeah, imagine if guys get like, imagine a guy, let's say he goes to prison, gets raped in the ass. And that turns out guys can get pregnant too. When you fuck a guy in the ass, he can get pregnant. You would see abortion readily available. There would be no doubt. The the only reason that the people freak out about abortion, because it's women. And it's like, eh, who gives a shit? Make them have the baby. So what? It was a woman in Texas. She got raped by her family. I was watching this on the news. Someone in her family raped her, incest. She wanted to get an abortion. She had to raise money because she was poor. She had to get out of state. She had to travel eight hours to get the abortion out of state. Can you fucking believe we're back to this again? We have to start to understand that we are still in a patriarchal society. And until you dismantle that system women will not have rights that's the only women are still yeah. you know it's a big deal they had two women announce a baseball game the other day and everybody was hooting like we had made progress no until it's all right for everybody to do anything they want and there's no big deal about it you're living in that patriarchy yeah. and you haven't broken that system yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, if dudes, if dudes got pregnant, they'd have, they, they'd offer abortion at 7-Eleven. You could, you could get one right in there when you go to buy like a, one of those ice. Oh things, yeah, with your Slurpee, Slurpee and an yeah, abortion Slurpee. today. Yeah, <laughs> would you, sir? Will you need an abortion? Yeah, as a matter of fact, my uncle fucked me in the ass and I'm pregnant. Yeah, I'll take one right now. Sure. How many months They'll pregnant? They'll be giving him at the drive-through at McDonald's. Yeah, I'm nine months pregnant. Fine, take that thing out of me. <laughs> Oh, guys will be freaking out. Uh, Dan, you're on the air. Yo, what's up, Howard? I just wanted to uh, comment on Robin. I just wanted to tell her how nice she was looking. Just saw a photo of her recently, and, uh, yeah, she looks good, dude. Robin, yeah, she looks good. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you should see yeah. what she's, she's wearing nice today track, for Jake dude. Gyllenhaal. She's all decked out. Forget about it. Dude, she <laughs> has a nice Jake? track. No. Like, Howard, Howard, how many times have you tapped in on that? <laughs> Many times. Oops. I, I didn't realize we were on the arms. I apologize, Robin. Not bad. <laughs> Tapped in. <laughs> you don't tap a lady like Robin. You got a wine and dine. You don't tap anybody. <laughs> no. Stop it. 
<laughs> tap. <laughs> Not a <Yeah>. beer. <laughs> I actually do tap women. My penis isn't long enough to actually give it to them, but I just tap them with that thing. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, the uh, climate activist, Greta Thunberg. How do you say her last name? Say, I want to say it right. Thunberg. I'm a fan of her. She's the girl, young lady from Sweden who... Uh, How dare you? Yeah, her. Who yelled at How everybody dare about you? Who took on change. all the world leaders, yeah. She made another speech. She doesn't say, how dare you anymore. Now she says, uh, she's got a new catchphrase. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I kind of like how dare you, but I like her new one, too. It's blah, blah, blah. What's that? Blah, blah, blah. blah. We're in context. What did she say that to? Here. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. This is not about some expensive, politically correct, green act of bunny-hugging or blah, blah, blah. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green economy, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Net zero by 25, 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. How old is she now? She must be about 17 or 18. I think she was hmm. 16 or something when she when we first became aware of her. Oh, she's 18. Look at yeah. this. 18. Well, they hire her to speak, and then she just yells at them. It's pretty great. Blah, blah, blah. But it's uh, like Don Rickles. She kind of gets up right. there and yells. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's what we hear. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. blah. AOC. <laughs> she, um, she was using quotes from the Prime Minister of England, Boris Johnson. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and Biden, because he's... Biden. Uh, yeah. She blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I like it. I like the new catchphrase. Blah, blah, blah. Well, anytime somebody says something, it's a great one. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What's her uh, social status? She seeing anyone? I don't know. I have not mm. endeavored to look up her social status. Mm. I wonder if she's dating. <laughs> she sounds like she really... Put me in my place. You know what I mean? I oh, let me blah, blah, blah to you. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything blah, I say. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Hey, honey, what about the bang of clock? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. What about a hand job? Blah, blah, blah. Fuck yourself. <laughs> blah, the whole blah, fucking blah. planet's blah, dying. Blah, and all you blah. want is your stupid hand job. How dare you? She might even come how, back to that. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Darling, blah, how about blah, a blah. hand job? Darling, how about a hand job? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. She wouldn't be dating the naked bachelor, this girl. She's got shit on no, her mind. No time uh, for that. No time for Kenny. The naked bachelor. <laughs> walking around with his junk hanging out like that. What the fuck? How dare you? Crazy. But first of all, these people, these nudists, they walk around. Uh, they put their dirty ass on your seat. And, they, you know, it's disgusting. Like an animal. I mean, my God. Hey, Apples, what's up? 
Hey now, Howard. Um, hey now. First off, I'd like to give some love to our Queen Robin. Uh, that was a great hey Mick, uh, Mick Jagger interview. And I love that Robin kind of put him on the ropes, asked the closing question to try to get him back in. So there much love go. to our Queen. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd like to be Robin's date to uh, Ronnie's wedding, if possible. <laughs> okay. Okay. Would you would you bring apples to Ronnie's wedding? That would be the greatest, Robin. I might get banned from Ronnie's wedding if they found out I had apples as a date. <laughs> How great would it be if he invites you plus one and you bring apples? Ronnie's mortal enemy. He hates. You, you know what? He gave you a plus one. You can bring whoever you want. <laughs> That is a brilliant idea. Robin, I'll be good. Oh, my God. The whole wedding would be ruined. Uh, oh my God. Ronnie will be up there just fuming. Won't even be listening was, to his vows. I was thinking about it. I, I don't think apples are so nasty to Ronnie. I don't know why Ronnie gets all bent out of shape with him. Ronnie has this thing about... He thinks of apples as a stalker. Now, whether apples is a stalker or not, we don't know. But Ronnie feels no. that he's a apples, stalker is not a stalker and i'll tell you why ronnie puts shit up on instagram and twitter and apple's comments on it don't put it up there if you don't want people commenting but that's the point he doesn't have control of stephanie's social so what? media and apple looks at that too and that's when ronnie gets well, really upset then don't put it up there you talk to your girlfriend and say listen all this attention is making me upset He's was he mad at, and it never, never works. So he's angry at apples. So what did Apple say? He goes, hey, I see a box of um, uh, Lucky Charm. Lucky Charm. Yeah. And man, maybe she's eating it because Beth eats it. Oh, Ronnie goes ballistic. But Ab <laughs> Ronnie, you know, I don't think apples is so bad to you. Honestly, I don't. I think you're a little, a little over the top with this guy. And I hate to break the news to you, but Robin's bringing um, apples to your wedding. Sorry. <laughs> Turn on your mic. I'll bring a gift. I hate, I hate <laughs> to break, break the news to you, but if he was doing it to you, you wouldn't fucking like it. Doing what, though? What's he doing? Oh, please. I, like that fucking, I do it's the like same the fucking, thing to Dude, it's like, the fucking, it's like the fucking guy who was bothering Beth on Instagram and wrote that shit. No, he does, he's not disrespectful. He doesn't say bad things. He's very disrespectful. He's a fucking asshole, dude. Don't really? No. Okay. No. Howard, I I do that to you and Beth. I watch Beth's Instagram. I know you, you do. Me to yeah, watch you your, probably jerk off your artist to it too. one. You know, come on now, that's too much. You're a fucking no, pig. I appreciate Howard's art. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man! You're a I love Howard's pig. art. I love I when they answer the questions. Beside the Lucky Charms thing, what do you not like about apples? I mean, and just, I didn't think the Lucky Charms thing was that just big. Just listen deal. to him, dude. Come on, don't give me yeah. that shit, okay? I think you're no, you know, What has he he's said? A, you know yeah, he's give a me an example. Crap. You, you don't even have to bring him on to break my fucking ball. No, I no, don't. You do. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Like the whole thing just now. Oh, we'll bring apples to uh, as Robin's date so he can ruin the fucking wedding for me. Yeah, that's fucking great. That's a what if he nice did thing. come to the wedding with Robin? Oh, Let's say Robin falls yeah. in love with apples for real. Yeah, yeah well, she could stay. Oh home. yes, more. she could stay home. <laughs> that's you, right. You're it not going to know our friendship. No, it wouldn't. Ronnie would have to learn to love apples. <laughs> yeah. What if me and Robin oh. hit it off and then get married oh, and then I'm there all the time? Dude, nobody would fucking marry you anyway, so I'm not worried about that. You ever been <laughs> apples? You ever been married? 
Twice, yes. Okay. You see what I mean? <laughs> well, nobody will stay no. married to him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nobody did well, marry him know. twice. I mean, he has yeah. been married. Fucking ran, they ran out the fucking door, too, obviously. <laughs> How do you know well, he didn't yeah, leave? So. <laughs> nah, they ran, they ran out the fucking door, dude. Yeah. Is that true, Apples? You I, ran I, out I, I talked about my last one a long time ago. It was, you, you remember that. She, uh, she turned sides. Oh, she's a lesbian? lesbian? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie. Why is that funny, Ron? Yeah, what's well, the funny? Yeah, you couldn't fucking satisfy her. She had to go look for a chick. Ah, <laughs> uh, you best watch out. <laughs> I satisfy him just fine there, pal. Yeah. You know yeah, what I do? Why they, I listen to that's Ronnie. Why, that's why she turned that's why she turned lesbian. Yeah, you really you really satisfied her. Jesus. Well, maybe maybe she had different stuff in her heart. It's not about her, it's about me. Yeah. Maybe she didn't like no, me. She had, okay. she had different stuff in her pussy now. <laughs> wow. That's cold. That's cold. That's cold right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, speaking of that, Ronnie, are you going to get a prenup before your marriage? Don't worry about what I do, dude. You're going to well, get a prenup, I do. right? I care about you as worry, a person. Worry about, yeah, you're not my friend. You're not anything to me, dude. You're fucking dog shit under my if, shoe. If you <laughs> met me before, if you met me before this whole Lucky Charm dude, your thing, voice you alone makes about. you want to fucking throw up and take a shit at the same time. Wow. Wow. That's cold. That's wow. not right. Yeah, that, that's that, that's a little harsh. <laughs> I think he. I think Ronnie, he's got a good I've... question, though. You're going to do a prenup, right, before you get married? Don't worry about what I do. Really? You're not doing a prenup? It's a yes or no. We don't have to. We don't need to know the details. Dude, I don't it's have yes to tell no. you. I don't have to tell you anything. Listen, no, man. No. You worked your whole life for what you have. You know, you yeah, can't okay. uh, put it all at risk. You know, I know Stephanie loves you and everything, but you got to be careful with that. You know, I don't want to see you get wiped out. You never talked to him about this? I don't think he ever brought it. We what did am I, talk JD? about it. I have to be talked to? No, I think yeah. I did talk to him about it, actually. <laughs> now that yeah. I'm remembering back with me sitting in the back of the car luxuriating, Ronnie driving and cursing out New York traffic, I think I did bring it up one time. And I think he, uh, well, I won't say what I think he said because I don't. Totally remember, but I think he's. I think he's got his shit together on this. You would have remembered if he didn't. Yeah, I. Oh, believe me, I'm protective of Ronnie. Yeah, I did have. I, now that I'm thinking about, it, I did have that conversation with you many years ago. Am yep. I correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I gave him a good talking to. <laughs> Straighten him right out. He, he actually knew what to do. He he, he okay. knows what he's doing. Right. He's nobody's fucking fool. See, he's a smart guy. Smart guy. Ronnie, if, what if we went to a NASCAR school together? What if we were at a NASCAR school and you like, oh man, this guy's really great. Oh, uh, and he doesn't and like you, man. It Forget it. Forget I it. it ain't, it's not happening. But fucking don't like you, man. The only thing you could God. do is marry Robin, and then then you get in with Ronnie. That's it. <laughs> no, that's the only that, thing. That would oh yeah, be it for me and Ronnie. Ronnie uh, we all got me out. Yeah. If Robin finds number, love, we gotta love her. Our phone number just went out the window. Dude, if Robin finds Robin love, you, you find a way to love her husband. Stop it. You want her to be happy. You're yeah. sitting there with, 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 if, with If she picks him, forget about it. She deserves what she gets. <laughs> She'll be pleased. Yeah. You got to marry Robin apples, so Robin, well. just for the oh, show. Please. I'm please. not marrying anybody just for the show. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Ronnie needs a pre 
lighten up and I should marry apples for the show? Yeah, you got to do it for the show. I never, I never say to you, you got to do it for the show. But finally, I'm coming to you after all these years. You got to marry apples. That's it. And you got to bring them to Ronnie's Robin, wedding. Robin, I'll sign whatever prenup you want, baby. Right. He's probably a nice looking guy. Have you ever seen apples, uh, Ronnie? I've seen pictures and videos, yeah. Is good looking guy? He looks like some fucking hillbilly. Oh, he does? <laughs> Robin, Robin might like that. I like that. that look. I like the hillbilly yeah. look. Yeah. She, she yeah. loves the Beverly Robin. hillbilly. She loves Jethro. He, wear, he, wears, he wears jeans that are up to his belly button. That, you know, <laughs> oh, that really? With right. flannel shirts. No, With a rope shirt. Right. I mean, a rope yeah. belt. <laughs> Same thing Jethro wore. <laughs> Granny used to dress I have a lot of wife beaters. <laughs> Hey, listen, dude, I got to go Robin, anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to Jake Gyllenhaal. He's got a new movie out on Netflix. See how he's doing. See if he needs any advice for me. I watched last night, actually. I watched that yeah, movie. Cool movie. Yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, very, very different. Very, very yes. different movie. All right. They must have saved so much money on that movie because there were no locations on it. Like, it Shot was the just whole thing in 16 days. When do, you, when do you ever see that? All right, Apples, I got to go. Thank Ronnie, God. there, I hung up on him. Robin, you got to marry that guy. <laughs> It would be the greatest thing ever. I have an right, assignment to get married. I'll take a break, and then uh, I'll talk to Robin's boyfriend, Jake Gyllenhaal, right after uh, these words. Uh, there's a new Jake Gyllenhaal movie on Netflix called The Guilty. You can check it out right now. And sitting here with me today is Jake Gyllenhaal. Everybody loves Jake Gyllenhaal. Look at you. Where are you? <laughs> Everyone loves you, man. There he is. When's the last time I saw you? You've, you've been uh, hiding from me. Where Where you been? What's going on? It's, it's been like five, how, five years? Five years. Yeah, yeah. You've been busy. I wanted to see you in person, but I know. you forced me to call you from my bedroom. So, <laughs> You know, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Like, you're out there working. You shot The Guilty. You got movies coming up. You, I saw you doing a movie with uh, Jessica Chastain coming up. Boy, by the way, I love her. She's, do you know her personally? Have you met her yet? I do, yeah. We, we've known yeah. each other for a long time. Yeah, really long time. You get stoked yeah. when they put you with somebody who's a you know an actor you respect. You know, it's oh. got to make you, yeah. It makes everything easier. Yeah, right. everything's easier. I mean, I feel like also when you know them, then you're in, you know, you can... You already have all that other shit out of the way. So you can just kind of get into it. What do you do when the other actor just isn't that good? I'm, by by that, not that good, I mean, I don't even know what I mean by not that good. <laughs> like, how, what? I, maybe you mean not present, I think. Okay. Like, if sometimes people come with a plan, sometimes the plan's smart, sometimes the plan's not smart, you know? And right. I think sometimes you just have to, you, I, I like to roll with anything now, nowadays. It just seems to like things happen and, and you just, I go with the mistakes more than I go with the things that I feel good with, you know, like if someone make, if someone's awkward or not good, that's just what the day is delivering me, you know, but wait I roll a second. with that. This is your career we're talking about, which <laughs> you've worked hard to maintain and do a good job. Would you go to a director? Because would, I would think it would be uncomfortable. You're, you're on the set. You've been working for a couple of days. Somebody's stinking this thing up. Like, you just know it in your heart. You've been in enough films now, and you have enough experience. You know. It's, and maybe it's not even their fault. They just have the wrong take on it. Would you go to the director and say, look, man, what are we doing? Uh, you know, in a way, you don't want to do that. You don't want to get the actor fired or, or, or fuck them up. But what do you do in that situation? 
Well, I think that's, I do think that's the power of movies. I mean, if you're on stage with someone, it's a disaster. But if, if, if you're in a film, you know, everything can be kind of cut around. You can work it out. You just need that, like, one moment. When you have the one moment, then you can play in that space, mm. you know? And then if the director's skilled enough, which I'm lucky to work with a number of them who are, they know how to make that work. I've been in situations where, like, even, you know, there's been an idea to cast, do some street casting or casting who's never acted before, and then they just freeze up. And right. a lot of times it's just, like, loosening them up, being with them in the moment, just saying to them, like, it's all good. Even not even doing the slate and saying, making it formal and saying, okay, we're rolling now. Now the scene starting. You just roll the camera and then you start talking and then people kind of ease up. But that, that like, a lot of times it's people coming with a plan, an idea of how to say a line, an idea of how the scene's supposed to go, trying to control it. And then you just sort of work them out of it, either through connecting with them as a person or through just like doing it so many times I can't even think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm thinking back to my one big acting experience, which was uh, Private Parts of the movie, and I remember we were shooting a scene. So good. Thank you. But the actor, the scene never made it into the movie because the actor couldn't get his lines together. It wasn't that there were that, it's for some reason, and, and, and I, now that I think about it, we tried everything. We did it multiple times. And it just never worked. So I guess they, they cut it out of the film. That was it. Well, isn't that, that the famous Coppola scene when he meets Brando, you know, and that they, he actually incorporated all those things. I mean, I guess that's what I'm talking about is like, there's always something magical happening, even if it seems crappy in the moment. It, I always find the scenes that don't work well, like when you're always tense and you're like, oh, this doesn't work. This feels so weird are always the scenes that are most electric when you see them finally cut. Cause it like, I think it wakes everyone up. They always have to find a solution. You know, as you, they gather all this stuff, they think the scene doesn't work. And then as they're in the editing room, they're like, how do we make this work? And then everyone's talent goes up to 110% to right. compensate. A good editor is worth like a million bucks oh because, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. They can yeah. change everything. A good editor, a good cinematographer, to me, they are equal to the director. I mean, to me, sometimes I ask, who they want to shoot or who they want to edit the movie sounds crazy, but you're in their hands because even before the director sees the movie, the editor is getting all this rough footage and they're cutting it a shape of something together. Even if they're being guided by the director, it's, they're still alone in that room for a majority of the time. And if they're alone with you, you want them to be great. You know, let me ask you this. Cause you mentioned like a Brando. So if you're on a set and you know how Brando toward the end of his career, even though he was still great, He'd show up. He didn't know his lines. He had them written down on cards or he had somebody with an earpiece and all this kind of shit. Does that tick you off? Because, I mean, I know you do a lot of prep. You prep when you're doing a play. I mean, you really make sure you got your shit together. Um, and okay, But, I mean, even if someone as great as Brando, it's disrespectful to the other actors, right? When you don't sit there and learn your stuff. No? I, I don't. I No. I, like, again, I'm just in a everyone has their own way. I mean, and by the way don't think i have i've struggled with lines before you know i mean i've struggled with lines that they need in a movie and i just can't get them in my brain you know like sometimes it's exposition sometimes whatever and you just have to be like can you put them up on a car just put them up there put them tape them on someone's face it's fine let's just get through the really because yeah because it's time right movies are not just performance movies are they're about a day making a day so you can make another day it you know 
that's the thing about getting into producing film. You know, you're just, you're, when you're producing, it's, it's all about trying to get to the next day. So you never, you, get but the, you never, you never went to uh, acting school or anything like that. You didn't do any of the traditional kind of moves. You just started acting when you were a kid, right? You just went into it. You started auditioning. That's it. Yeah. That was the move. Yeah. Wow. That was, I mean, yeah, it just sort of came, came certain parts of it came easily to me. You know, I mean, I like, I remember the feeling on a stage and being like, why does this feel comfortable? All the other kids are pissing their pants. And I'm like, this feels natural, which is probably a sign of some sort of mental Ill illness early on. <laughs> it's crazy that you felt that comfortable. And and the, the high school play was uh, Fiddler on the Roof, right? Great play. Who'd you play? Fiddler Have on you? the Roof. Uh, well, actually, the high school play, it wasn't even high school. It was elementary school. I played the Scarecrow. I played the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Ah. I was like nine. I was eight, nine years old. And I was just like, ooh, an audience, you know? When did you do Fiddler on the Roof? I never did Fiddler on the Roof because... Ah, I read that on your IMDb or something. I was cast in Fiddler on the Roof in the senior year of high school. Right. And then I got this movie, October Sky. And then I couldn't play Tevya. And then I went and did this movie instead. It's a, one of the biggest regrets of my career, I got to say. Really? Tevye is you know. the role. Tevye is the role. <laughs> Do you love me? Yes. Yes. Do I Exc love you? <laughs> Do I what? Do I love you? After 25 years of... I washed your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you never got to do it. Oh, yeah. Nope. October Sky was your first movie. And what... And, and uh, God, I can't imagine being... That young and being in a movie, God, my social life would have improved. Oh, <laughs> it's weird. I became some strange recluse actually afterwards. I thought it was all going to be different. You know, I was like, oh, movies, like you make a movie, it's going to be like craft service and big trailers and like, and then it was just rain every day. Like you were the only kid around. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was pretty incredible. I was pretty psyched, but I think the whole idea of just like, Every day you're working. I mean, you think about kid actors. That makes me think about them often, you know, just like we don't think about what it what a kid needs. A kid needs to be around people their own age, I think, needs to be in that space. And when you're that young doing it, it's an adult world, you know. It's like um, even though I was 15, which is, you know, I guess older, but it was quite quite eye-opening for me because i think i had auditioned for years and like desperate to get these parts and i got there and i was like oh whoa this is work you know like this you yeah. gotta get up do it for 16 hours a day perform you know so you gotta work and, that muscle a muscle that i never had you know till then and a, yeah and a 15 year old that kind of pressure i can't even imagine when you're in a film and you see everyone standing around on a set and basically it comes down to you performing well and making sure that this movie works I don't know. At 15, I was such a schlub. I mean, I was jerking <laughs> off to Gilligan's Island. I don't even, I can't imagine taking on that I mean, kind that of adult pressure. Happening. That was still happening. That was still happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that never changes. But um, what, what was that famous story about that first movie you did, October Sky, that you got into an argument with your, your with Chris Cooper and that um, oh, Chris, yeah, Chris yeah. stopped you and told you you had to be a better listener? That's true, right? When you're an actor... Yeah. If you're not listening to the other dude, it never comes off as real. I mean, it, it can't again, like it can. I mean, you can be working with an actor and someone can cut around it. When you're working with someone as good as Chris Cooper is cut around, you know, your bad 
shit and just lean on Chris Cooper, which mm. they pretty much did that whole movie anyway, but like with my work. <laughs> <laughs> but like in that space, it was like, he, I, I was so into the like acting of it. You know, it was like every actor loves a fight scene. You know, it's like you're in a, you get to, it's like a, you know, like a literal fight scene. Every actor loves to pretend like, you know, they're tough. And then also, you know, they also love just screaming and yelling, you know, it's the final opportunity to get that out. Like that's acting, you know? And so I was doing it and I thought take after take, I was like, Oh, I'm killing this. Like I'm just screaming and yelling. And Chris is a very quiet, composed man, very measured, very thoughtful. Talk about preparation. And he comes up to me and he goes, I don't know what you're doing. You're just yelling at me. Just listen to what I'm saying to you. <laughs> wow. Were you and, devastated? I was, well, what was great about it was yes. And I was right. already in the scene. I was devastated. So I was like, oh, my heart just went, oh God, I've just, I feel so embarrassed. What am I, oh geez, right. what am I doing? And then I just took the opportunity to not fill it with all this acting, you know, not like, oh, I'm listening to you. I just listened. And then as he talked, it really started to piss me off. Like what he was yeah. saying started to piss me off. And then I was like, oh my God, I was riding a real wave. And then I went, I mean, that was the biggest gift he, I mean, an actor's ever given me, honestly. Yeah, see, that's what freaks me out about acting. I like, like I, the, the, again, the time I did it, I, tr I tried a scene where I took like kind of a pratfall and uh, Betty, the director, walked over to me and she said, a physical comedy isn't for you. And she was right. <laughs> but I felt like a douche. I said, oh, my God, I just tried something here. It didn't work. And I'm embarrassed. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm ashamed that I, it didn't work. If you got to get rid of that shame, right, and try stuff, you got you to gotta go for it. But then if you get self-conscious, you know, you end up being a wooden board. So, But I don't think any of that's wrong, you know? I don't know. I mean, I'm of the belief that it's the only space where there's really very little that's wrong to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, right. it's a safe space to be able to like let all these feelings out, even if it's shame, even if it's like you get caught, you know, there's so many times where I'm in a scene where I'm like, oh, this sucks. Like, this is not what I planned. Like, this is just wooden, like you're saying. And everyone's on the other side of the monitor going, oh, amazing. Just amazing. And I'm feeling like nothing you know what do you know you don't know anything so you just you roll with it i mean really truly yeah but when they're saying amazing to you are they saying that to you because you're jake gyllenhaal <laughs> who has really you know you've, you've done very well in life and you're a famous actor and you know you get leading roles are they say you know i mean you get yes, in your head yes you start yeah yes, right they're and doing you, that they're <laughs> you know what i mean like you go well wait i think i did a shitty job here and they're telling me i'm amazing are they saying you know what i mean i'd be like well are they saying that because i'm a famous actor or are they saying it because i really think it was amazing i don't know no like a good a good director will be like we just keep going. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, okay. And I don't know. Yeah, probably some of it. I think a good, uh, a good director will get on you for real. And when they need something, they'll, they'll say, I need this. I mean, I look at myself like, I'm, you know, a team captain, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if they don't, if something sucks, it doesn't work. They're going to tell me it sucks. It doesn't work. And if they don't, I'm going to find out what the truth is from them. You know, because a lat relationship doesn't work unless they can say, let's go again. I need this. I need this. I need that. I mean, you are giving them stuff. 
So a shitty director is a director who maybe doesn't even have a good eye for when a performance is bad, like who doesn't give you the proper feedback, right? Like a guy who doesn't catch shitty performances. (laughs) That's a shitty director. That would absolutely be a shitty director. But who's a great director that you work with? Who is somebody you worked with? And you said, this is the greatest director I've ever worked for. Oh, wow. I've worked with a lot of great directors, I have to say. I mean, a lot. Who's the one that uh, made you like, wow, this this guy knows what he's doing. This is a great director. I don't know if I've felt that always. I mean, look, there have been frustrating relationships where I've been like, what is this? And the movie's fantastic, you know? Right. Um, and they're a great director, right? Like, again, what do I know? I don't know anything. When you're an actor, you just got to do what you do. But I... Um, I loved working with Sam Mendes. We did this movie, Jarhead. He and I was at an age where I needed him, like an empowering person, and he was always like, "You're my leading actor. You're the guy who's I picked. You got this, no matter what." I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember them shaving my head for that movie, and then I remember <laughs> he them trimming my eyebrows with like a like a a razor trim <laughs> to like just get them, <laughs> and I and um. Uh, the the, the 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 groomer guy like shaved half my eyebrow off like two days before shooting and i was like oh my god sam's gonna be so pissed and he was like no that's interesting i like that that's cool that's well, cool and he's yeah. like just fill in and it's fine and there was just this confidence in him that even as like leading actors in every shot's gonna have some couple shots the movie's gonna have some half of an eyebrow but i but like i i don't know that was just an example of him just being like everything, nothing's gonna go wrong here. Just, just right. be free. Be free. Flow. It's fine. I mean, um, I love working with Antoine Fuqua on the movie that we made. I made two movies with him. He's just like room, room, room. Gives you Southpaw. He did, and um, um, and and now the guilty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love no. working with him as an actor. I love working with him. I mean, there are a number of them. Of I, many of them, I love working with. But so I mean, you, in terms of yeah, yeah. Go oh, no. Finish your thought. Yeah. In terms of. I mean, in terms of a shitty director, I don't think I've worked with one. I mean, though I think there have been shitty times, you know. Right. And early on in a relationship, I think you have to say, look, I know I'm making a mistake here, or I know it feels weird. Just give me a second to warm up. I think that's the common right. issue with all with most directors is like, uh, uh, um, like, don't worry, I'm not headed off in a weird place. I know what you need. I see what you need. Just give me a second. This is why we make movies. We can mess this whole part up three times and then I'll hit it on the fourth. Like, just let me ease and do it. Yeah. Don't get all panicky on me. Don't, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I know what I'm doing here. Just I'm trying to get somewhere. <laughs> yes. Like you've got to about- suck for a while, right? Like it's got to, you got to allow that space to suck. When you talk about like changing your physical appearance. So like to me, I, um, when you played Mysterio on the Spider-Man movie. You decided to grow the beard, but you have to go in front of the whole Marvel universe and say, do you think it's cool if Mysterio wears wears a beard? You're not allowed to just make that decision on your own, right? Well, beard length was definitely an issue for that one. I didn't have a lot of control over the length of the beard. The beard was already something they desired. So I I think so. I mean, look, I, I got there and there were... You know, this is that first day before you start and everyone's like, longer, shorter? Well, if we go shorter... We can't, we're going to have to commit to this, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so silly. I mean, it's absurd, but, yeah. um, but there was an ease. There's an ease in those movies. Even though they're all that pressure, there's a little yeah. bit of ease, you know, where they're like, eh, 
all right, you know, Beard's not as nice as Chris Evans, but, you know, it'll do. I watch that movie sometimes and I go, like, you're a really good actor. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. That's why I always enjoy having you on. You, you, you know, you just do a great job in all these movies. I've watched so many of your movies. Um, but I sometimes sit there and I go, I wonder if Jake is happy. Like, you probably want to be in Spider-Man because for career, it's great. To, to be a Marvel superhero means you get exposed to a whole wide audience that you normally wouldn't even get exposed to. Yeah. It's great stuff, but I don't know as an actor, although Mysterio got to do a lot of shit in the movie, but a lot of it seems like it's green screen time. It's a lot of physicality and all this kind of stuff. And I, I somehow imagine that you're like, fuck, this isn't challenging to me. You know, what am I doing here? You know, I, I don't know how you feel really about it. If you really love doing it or not. It's hard, man. That acting is hard. I mean, it's, it's physically, I mean, I mean, all of it. I mean, that world is enormous, right? And you're joining right. that world. And I joined that world way into that run in a situation that was just like so a train that was already moving. So like, you know, for me, normally I come in way early on, you know, and, and, I, and I get to play and I get to, like I get to figure it out. It was like you got to deliver in that space. And, and it was a whole different craft, right? Like they they're moving with ideas which is so fun about it it's actually a what do you really mean creative what do you mean moving with ideas you mean they're creating the movie idea. as they go along or some no i mean they have a structure for the movie but like if someone yeah. has a good idea if you bring a better idea i mean they will change an entire they will shift an entire day around that idea so wow. it's really creative but it, it's also it, it's it's also kind of takes a while to say like uh can i say something is it you know um and also to feel like when someone else has an idea that it shifts. I mean, for me, I loved it. I mean, there was the first day, the first day of shooting. <laughs> I remember, um, Tom Holland, you know, Tom was like, I was freaking out. I mean, like it was a scene with Sam Jackson, uh, Tom, um, who else is in that scene? I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm blocking it out. Um, there, there were, there were a number of actors in that, um, scene and I, I remember going like not being able to memorize, remember my line. Like I literally was like, you come to me on this. Yeah. I was like, what the, and I was, I was, I was the wooden board. Right. And they wow. were like, whoa. And I went up to Tom Holland. I was like, dude, help me out. He's like, it's all good, man. Like, you know, I What's good about you know, it? I was like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, it's all good. Just relax. It's like, he was me uh. in a, uh, so many situations. And, uh, and I, and I finally did, but I think I just put a lot of pressure on because I love that world, man. Like, it's not me coming in as an actor going like, oh, like I've made all, I've made 60 films. Like I know what I'm doing. It's me coming in every time being like, I love Spider-Man. I love this world. Like I want to kill it here, you know? And then it's too much pressure because you're right. Yeah. You're coming into a, a juggernaut like in radio. I never wanted to go to a good radio station. Every radio station I went to was failing and they were desperate. They needed a guy in the morning who was going to shake exactly. things up. That's I didn't exactly want to go in where like. somebody had high ratings and I'm taking over. I'm going to fuck this thing up. Exactly. That's the pressure. Marvel is just too goddamn good at this. And uh, yeah. what can I do but take them down? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. Sam Jackson just rolling with it, throwing out improv. They're changing movies <laughs> around him. And I'm just yeah. like, I can't even barely get my line out. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're like, this is Mysterio? Get this fucking guy off the set. I know. Oh, my God. You must have been just horrified that you couldn't remember your line. I mean, you're a guy who does Broadway plays. You remember lines. I mean, this movie you just did, it's all you. I mean, you've got about a billion lines. I mean, but... but (laughs) I had to to walk up and be like, look, man, I just came out Broadway doing like a a one-man show for an hour and a half on stage. Like, I got this. Please just believe me. You know? (laughs) I mean, it was. It was like... Are you ever working on multiple projects at a time where you start to like you're remembering your lines from a different film or or from the Broadway show? I mean, is that get crazy in your head too? You've got so much going on in there. Sometimes, but it, it, like a number of people come to me to re to bring certain shows back. You know, like I did this musical they want to bring back this 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 uh, one man show we did. Well, actually, it was two man show, but it was two monologues, and I did one, and, and Tom Sturge, wonderful actor, did another one, and. They oh they were coming back to us saying, "Well, Broadway's reopening. Maybe we'll bring that back." And I was like, well, "Oh, yes. Oh God, all of those lines. Like that. As an actor, that's what goes through your head. Everyone's like, oh, he can do it. He did it before.' But that took me, that took me two months of just chipping Jeez. away, chipping, chipping, and then hundreds of performances before I felt at ease walking out there. You know, can you have an a uh, 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 when you're preparing for a play, especially? Or even this new movie, The Guilty, and you got to do like that amount of lines. Do you have to shut out everyone in your life? You know, do you shut out your girlfriend? Do you shut out your parents? Do you, whoever the hell it is, your sister? I mean, do you have to just literally go into lockdown and say, hey, you know, and everyone thinks you're being a prima donna, but the bottom line is you got to memorize all this stuff and have your take on it. I would have to go off into a cave, you know, emotionally and shut everyone out. And I can imagine that fucks your whole life up. People think you're being a dick. Well, you know, what's interesting is like, I was thinking about what you're saying about, um, about you and radio. And I think you've always gone after something honest. Like you've always, you want to have a, a, an honest conversation with somebody. And I always want that whenever I'm working. Right. And in order to get there, the unfortunate part is, I mean, you have to do, you have to know about me. You have to do at least a little bit of research. You have a whole team probably doing that stuff for you. But then, you know, you have to have a genuine interest or else I'm sure it's just, you know, yeah. it's annoying, right? I think for me, that part of the research, yes, I need to, I need to, cause I, it takes me time to focus, but I also have to give myself like a wide berth. I have to say for every half an hour I will memorize, I need to give myself four hours. So I'll set aside four hours of a day. And I will, I'll chip away and I'll know I'll gonna check my phone. I'm going to take a call. I'm going to do these things. And I'll allow myself to have that space as opposed to being like, you have to, who is it that said it? Maybe it was David Byrne that talked about, oh no, it was David Lynch. Sorry, but both brilliant right. about giving yourself that, that, you know, for every, what is it? I, this is, I'm going to ruin this equation, but for every like half hour of work, you need to give four hours of time, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of what I do. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, look. Everyone in my family was a huge support, you know, particularly my girlfriend, like huge support. in when I was doing that stuff, you know, because it involves a selfishness, you know, that you need. It's to a tremendous selfishness. Like I have to say to my wife, sometimes I'm checked out when I was really just coming up. It, it fucked every relationship up. Everything. Mm-hmm. It got mm-hmm. so intense because I don't see how you can only be half in when you're in these careers where, you know, things are really riding on you. You got to be all in. You know, you do. And I think a lot of that focus ends up. Yeah. Your, your, your relationship is with, with the career. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that has taken me a long time to understand, 
you know, like even to, to be aware of, you know, like I'm very ambitious. I come from a very driven family. Like we're all very that much that way. My sister is too. Like we are focused and when we go, we go, but you know, that does leave out. I mean, that's what this whole pandemic has proven is how much life I have neglected, right? Like, yep. even when I thought that I've been a devoted uncle or like a brother or a son or whatever, or a boyfriend, like actually it's in this time where I've been like, Oh, <laughs> reassess whatever that illusion you've been living under. is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you think you could be a successful husband and father, or do you know deep down inside, I love my career, I'm married to my career. I know selfishly, it's not that I'm a dick, it's not that I don't want those things, but I know that if I'm really going to do great work, there's no room for that kind of distraction. Do you know yourself well enough for that? I think at this point, the I think the answer is that I know I I, I think I, I mean, I would be a, I, that's all I want is to be a good husband and a, and a father. Like that to me is the, that really is what I want. And now that I have fulfilled a lot of things in my career that I feel comfortable with, I can safely say that. I don't know if I could have said that before, but I right. think now I'm like, I also see my sister, right. And I see how her life, her family, her, her marriage has just deepened her work. I think there right. comes a point where you you go, you either start getting more shallow or you start getting more deep, right? In, right, in right. your work. And I think you have to incorporate those things into your life in order for that to happen. And and maybe it's me. I mean, again, maybe you're just like, I'm, re, I'm, I'm like, I'm going back to let's get the work better, <laughs> make the life. But they can coexist. And I think like I've watched her raise two incredible girls, like just incredible girls that are have their feet on the ground who are not involved in any of this shit and and that is not just a testament to her it's to her husband too i mean they are you know they're both in the business they're both and like i admire them so much i mean those girls are they're they, they make me have faith in the future honestly right i know what you mean you, although i'm scared like whenever i'm around really how old are your uh your uh, nieces are they nieces did you say they are 15 and nine. She just turned 15 yesterday, actually, which is crazy. When I see these young kids, I go, man, the fucking world seems so dangerous now. Maybe it's just me being an old fart, but I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of world we're handing over to them. It makes me even more upset about the state of things and the anger and all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? 15 year old is pretty fierce. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She's fierce in a beautiful way. I mean, she's like. You know, she she has eradicated all single use plastics out of our family's life. And if you see if you, she sees you with one, <laughs> that's it. Right. You're done. Wow. It's awesome. It's unbelievable. You know what I was going to say to you, too, when I was talking about Marvel? Robert Downey Jr. Now, here's a guy who is one of the greatest actors of all time, in my opinion, yes. and most yes. people's opinion. And you actually worked with him on a film. Uh, and when you were working with him, he said to you, Hey, I think I got Iron Man. I think I'm going to be Iron Man or something, right? He was in that phase of his life where he was down on his luck. He was just getting back into acting. He'd pulled his shit together. 
were you shocked at the time that like when he said to you, when he first said to you, I think I'm going to be Iron Man mm -hmm. um, because nobody would bank on Robert Downey Jr. They were too afraid of him at that point. Now. Oh, yeah. He, he had he couldn't get insured on the movie we made together. Wow. They couldn't Jeez. even insure. Yeah. We had, had like. Yeah. I remember that. Really. It was like every morning, you know, he drove himself to work. You know, it just it just literally couldn't. They I think our director. David Fincher had to insure him himself. Wow. Yeah. And was that, was that kind of a good lesson for you too, to see someone who had just fallen down on bad times and then to see him rise from the dust and become again, one of the biggest stars in, in show business. There's a lesson in there somewhere, right? I mean, it is amazing that he, you know, now he's one of the highest paid performers and he can do no wrong. Um, yep. it, it's an amazing thing to witness, isn't it? I mean, it just, it shows you, I think like, I mean, it, there, I think the story of it is for all of us, you know, it's like, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, and you never know who you're talking to is going to be whomever they're going to be. I mean, like that to me is where, particularly in my business is like, you're like, you know, you see all this stuff, you see, you know, actors starting out and i've seen it a number of times you know work with people where you're like who is that person oh they like have a small part in a movie like you're and then then you're begging them for a movie in three years you know right right um you know i mean it's just that's it a great lesson you're right you know if, yeah. if you were a dick to robert downey jr you might not have gotten to play mysterio because <laughs> he would have said I mean, hey, that guy's a fucking asshole you know he was yeah, really mean yeah. to me when i was down um yeah Plus, I would think for him, watching him and working with him in a movie when he wasn't when he was sort of trying to make a comeback, he could have easily gotten tight in your movie because he's like, oh, my God, there's just too much importance on this thing, even in this movie. You know, I mean, but he he's loose as a goose. Right. I mean, he's something to work with. Yeah. I mean, the thing with him is, is I think he's been through so much in his life and there's just a, right. a chip in Robert that just I would always say, like, working with him was most great actors you work with will have, like, a hundred choices at the ready, and he has, like, a thousand. Wow. So you're just, you're working with someone in another dimension is what it feels like. You know, it's like, and that's, when you, I mean, uh, yeah. You've worked with some great, like, I'm thinking about your whole Brokeback Mountain thing with Heath Ledger. What an actor this guy was. I still don't know. I, I still don't even. Did you get close to him um, afterwards? Like, or do you do you do Brokeback Mountain and say, you know, hey, yeah, if I saw him, I'll say hello. But do you actually become good friends after a movie yeah. like that? We did. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of times where you're friends and then you're, you're friends in a space and time and you're carrying that kind of like the residual space of the work you did and the space and the life you had. Because it is your life, right? I think right. that's what you, you, uh, um, the wonderful actor John C. Riley said to me once, he's like, I was working with him on a film and he said to me that, you know, at a certain point, someone turned to him and said, bring the things from your life with you on, on set when you're working. Cause if you're lucky enough, you get to do this for a while. It's your life. So don't pretend like, Oh, I'm going to go back to my life after this and I'm going to go. And, um, yeah, I mean, with Heath, uh, we, we were friends from before that and then, uh, through it, you know, it like fortified, all of us somehow in a way that was just a crazy experience. That was what unlikely is, for all of us. Yeah. What happened? I don't even know what happened to it. What happened? <laughs> I don't either. You don't either. <laughs> like what happened? It's <laughs> no when that knows? thing hits. 
but what do you mean? It's like, it's like when someone like you comes along, it's like you hit the zeitgeist, right? It's like yeah. you hit that and you start doing something and you're like, what's happening? Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm just this guy. Like, what's the deal? Like, and it's the same kind of feeling, you know, you're like, it just hit at this time. It just hit at the exact right time. Do you think that, I'm, I'm sure you think about this. Do you think that movie now could be made with two straight actors or would it be under fire? Would it be, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing a gay man. This part should have gone to a gay guy. Um, would, I think about would, that. I do. I think about that. I, I think probably the answer is no. Um, right. But but then when I look at it now as a way in which it paved an opportunity in a in a time when there was no real chance that two you know first of all the two straight actors are going to play roles like that openly like and say okay we're gonna i mean the amount of flack we got for that i was just like it's crazy i mean for I a year i mean like for a year after that it was like the amount of conversations about what what my sexuality was was just it was like i was like all right guys like and girls i was like guys, guys and girls everybody just <laughs> chill out yep. like you have to go out and prove yeah. yourself as a heterosexual male. And talk <laughs> right. To a few well, people, right? Wa yeah. Watch watch the next few movies I did after that. It was <laughs> right. It, it was like it was like I'm cop this that. I'm like as if that really makes a difference. Uh, right. A like, womanizing cop. Yeah. What, exactly. <laughs> is there when you have management and you have a career as big as yours? Do do people get together somewhere in a room with you and say, "Look, okay, you just played a gay man. Everyone's questioning whether you're really gay or not." Let's get you a couple of really macho roles and get that shit out of people's heads. I mean, is there is there a conscious decision made somewhere with these scripts to uh, get no. you doing something like that? No, no, no. I, that was an, a yeah. massive success. That movie. I mean, no one gave. Yeah. I mean, no one I worked with gave a shit. They were just like that shit made so it was so successful, made so much money. Everyone got so much attention from that movie. It offered so many opportunities. I think the conversation was just like a fun conversation socially for the world to speak about. But I think yeah. in the end, you know, and, and, you know, truthfully, I was at, what was I? 26. I mean, that was a while ago. You know, I think you're, you know, you're just trying to figure out your identity still at that point and as a man in particular. And, you know, I think we're w way later developing like you know sex <laughs> right and so i think that that is that was definitely for me just sort of trying to recalibrate you know then certain people knew me and you know what was that about and how do i handle that you know it was a lot of things going on at that same time did anybody say to you listen jake you're doing great you're going to be a great actor don't don't fuck this up don't play a gay guy <laughs> do not take this role someone yeah. must have said to you don't take it Oh, I mean, early on, there were people going, what are you, what are you doing? But I mean, I just didn't ever, I was like, what am I doing? This is the most beautiful story I've ever read. I was literally, I was like right. with Ang Lee. I mean, with Ang Lee, like right. one of the best, one of the greatest, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like they were stupid, frankly, like outside of it being a, you know, something that people may have, you know. A, a type of role of sexuality that people i was just like i grew up too with like m my godparent my godfathers were like a gay couple like i you know i i think maybe i grew up in a space where i took that for granted and um that was just this, that was just no i no one there wasn't any of that if anything for me it was like what is everybody saying like what is this about like you know i didn't get the full response people were joking about it people were people were offended by it. there were all these crazy responses and i realized oh, the yeah. power of movie making 
That's what yeah. I realized. It has you know, in a, a way, in a way, you think about it, like with Netflix now, I was thinking about the movie The Guilty, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed, but I don't think without Netflix, those kind of movies are being made anymore. I, I think you, I mean, I imagine, I, I read this, that you shot the whole thing in 11 days. Yeah. Is that true? How do they, yeah. how do they, how'd they shoot that in 11 days? I mean, it's, uh, that's insane, I think. Have you well, ever worked like on a movie in 11 days, made a whole movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, shortest movie I've ever made. Yeah. It's by, yeah. Ha by half. I mean, half. The shortest one I had done before that was like 22 or something. It was 28. This movie, Donnie Darko. I made that and we made that in a short period of time. And then this was like, I mean, look, I, when I, I saw the original film of it and I, when we got the rights to it to redo it, I was like, let's do it in 48 hours. At first, wow. I was like, we can shoot this in 48 hours. I'll just memorize the whole thing, right? And, um, I did another, shoot it like a like play that. in other words, like, cause yeah, to me, it, yeah. Shoot it like a play. Cause this movie, when you see it, it's on Netflix now. It's all Jake. Um, Sorry you know, about that, you, by the way. You no, I'm saying it's like a, you, 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 you're talking on the phone to people and stuff and you're a 911 operator and uh, the ending's great. I didn't, I had no fucking clue that was coming. It's a pretty wild movie. Um, and by the way, the woman on the phone, is played by um what's her name Riley uh, Riley Keough. Right. Yeah. Keel. There's Robin. There's Robin. I hear you Robin. Yeah, there's Robin. Rob, Robin by the way is a uh, wait, she's going to she's going to I'm gonna just find enjoying myself. How... You just keep sitting there talking. <laughs> yeah. R Riley Keough. I'm in love yeah. with her. I mean, <laughs> did you ever see that show that she was in the uh, Girlfriend Experience? Oh yeah. yeah. Did you see her in Zola? Have you seen that movie? No. Seen Zola? Do I oh, need to see God. that? You got to see that movie. That movie's incredible. And she is incredible. The acting is, I mean, Janixa Bravo directed amazing film. Like, I think you'd love it, Howard. But right. she is, she, you'll, I mean, that's it. You'll be done after that movie. She's incredible really? in it. Yeah. Stunning woman. I mean, uh, very, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? But brave, yes, yes. <laughs> but brave too, which brave, which is yeah. even sexier. Yeah. Which is sexier. I mean, yeah. Speaking of sexy, let me ask you this. Here's a question I'm always dying to ask you. <laughs> Speaking of sexy. You did, a, you, yeah, you did a film with the very sexy Jennifer Aniston. Yes. When you were, you know, you were much younger. I don't know how old you were at that point. But it was pre-Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, was you know, 20, back when, I think. Yeah. when no one questioned your sexuality, right? Back then. <laughs> and um, the movie was called A Good Girl. And you have even said, you know, gee, from you know, I had so much, such a crush on Jennifer for years. And now oh, yeah. all of a sudden I ended up in this, you know, romantic scenes with her, sex scenes, whatever you want to call it. It was torture for you, right? As an actor. Oh, yeah, it was torture. Yes, it was. Yes. But it was also you, not torture. I mean, come on. It was like a mix of both. It was like. You were aroused. I want to safely say. There were moments where I had to figure that out, but like, but yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, I mean, she's, she, she was, yes, she was, she was, yes, in a way. In other words, you're in bed with her in a scene. A look, I'm moving around already. Look at me. I'm already yeah, moving. You. You see that? Sit yeah, still. You can take care of that after this interview. <laughs> what I'm saying is you're confirming for me. I got a boner in every scene I did practically when I did a movie. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, I had different scenes with, with, with women and, 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 and I'd always be, I, I, cause maybe because I'm not an actor or maybe I'm just a great actor and I'm really in the scene, but <laughs> I could imagine it's embarrassing. It's the latter. It's the latter, Howard. It's the latter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. absolutely it is. 
I'm like, I don't see any difference between real life and what I'm doing here right now. I'm making out with a woman. <laughs> I don't see the difference. My penis doesn't know the difference. And that's what you're saying, right, Jake? In other words, yeah. it, you, it, so did, you, did you say to Jennifer Aniston, listen, Jennifer, I'm not trying to be rude here, but if, you, if you're feeling something, protrusion or whatever, I, I can't control <laughs> protrusion. it. Protrusion. Yeah, did you have that conversation? I said it just like that. Yes, I said protrusion <laughs> or whatever. Well, you're a gentleman, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, what, I, what I, you know, I don't remember having, well, I do always, you know, weirdly love scenes are, are awkward, right? Like, I don't know about yes. you, which is, it's, it's telling about you actually, Howard, because there are maybe 30, 50 people watching it. You know, yes. maybe if you have a closed set, it's less. That doesn't turn me on. So um, right. most of the time, you know, you're like, it's oddly mechanical, right? Um, you're a professional. Then, yes. And also it's a yeah. dance, right? Like it's right. a dance. Like you really do have to, you're choreographing for a camera, right? I mean, right. As, I mean, you can get in it, but it's one of those spaces like a fight scene you know you, it's it's you got to choreograph those things um and i always have tried but in in terms of that um i don't really remember i do remember a pillow uh ah, i do remember the pillow just there was yeah the pillow technique was used uh, that was just preemptive and used generally always when actually in a horizontal place in that movie everything was else smart. was whatever it was because we did a lot of i remember those two characters did a lot of making out on like boxes in a back room so right um yeah what a I wonderful that was what a wonderful thing a pillow a pillow saved you she didn't know what the was going on you were able to you have the to pillow technique <laughs> yeah oh my god it's who only, suggested I, the pillow who taught you that was that a lee strasberg kind of move or, i think that uh, was actually a jennifer suggestion i think she was, was actually very kind to suggest it before we began yeah wow she said young man you might need a uh, pillow here and uh, <laughs> no she was like i'm putting a pillow here that was, oh, it. Wow. That was all she said yeah yeah i think i remember oh that. my god so when right before the pandemic you were on broadway you were doing a play and uh, you must have been heartbroken because you did all this prep, you did all this work, and then the play gets interrupted because of the pandemic, right? I mean, that was it. Party over. We had, we had just finished the play, actually. Oh, you did? Oh, you we got in under finished. the wire. Yeah. So, But we were planning on doing another show that I did, this musical called Sunday in the Park with George, in London that January. Mm. So we were like, we'd flown there a number of times. We'd done a lot of press there. We were ready to open. We'd sold all these tickets and... And then uh, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally around, I guess it was like February, March, they said, we're shutting, they're shutting down the theaters in London and we don't know when they're going to reopen. So we had to reschedule. Does your agent ever say to you, why are you doing these plays? We can make so much more money in the movie. Seriously. I mean, you know, they, they require a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of study. Or is it that it keeps you, I don't know, somehow more grounded or in the game by doing plays? A play is more enjoyable to you than a movie. My agent knows how how joyful I am when I'm on a stage. I think oh, yeah. my agent knows that it's like I need it as food and um and and also I think I think you kind of have to know your horse, right? I think about it from their perspective. Like you you got to know the horse who's racing, and like when you do, you know they're going to need rest or they're going to be best after four and then a break or they can do eight in a row whatever it is and for me the animal that i am i need i need the stage like i need it as wow. a as a as a playing ground as a way of saying like you're still alive you can get up in front of these people and you still have that energetic exchange which you don't have on a movie you know on a movie you don't have that 
overwhelming energy coming at you. It, it's just like these tsunami waves of responses. It just wakes my whole body up. And um, on a movie, you're even with a laugh or with a feeling, you know, maybe you have a director come over and be like, oh, wow, that was really special or whatever. But that's what you get. And you get it after you cut. You don't get it right after. So I think my agent knows. I know my agent knows. I crave that stuff. And then I then I fill back up and then I'm like, let's go work on a, something else. Yeah. Are you one of those guys? Like if someone in the audience is eating too loud or their phone rings, do you just like break character and say, hey, come up here. I'm going to kick your ass. No, no way. You don't. No. You don't no. do that. Some I, guys do it. No, no. No, I know. No, no, I know. It's like the actor thing, right? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm into, I'm into the shit that happens like that. I really am. I'm really? into it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, open that wrapper, open it. Really? It's something it out. Oh, it's so different. It's like 200 shows. I mean, you know what it's like. You do hundreds of. Sh it's like it, when something happens that feels alive. <laughs> like sometimes you're just really. I'm yeah, shocked to hear it. that. I think, like, I would think, oh, look at that jack off. I'm in the middle of my fucking big scene here, and this asshole sitting and eating a fucking, you know, milk dud and opening the box. I can get, I would get crazy. But you just yeah, say, hey, like, that's my. Actors are we're so indulgent. You know what I mean? That it's right. nice when someone goes like, it's just acting. <laughs> I prefer right now to eat eat my sweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like or like when a phone ring. I mean, the other night, the only thing is, the other night, my sister premiered her movie she wrote and directed at the New York Film Festival. It was incredible, and there was a woman sitting next to me, and um, she uh, her her phone went off, and then she picked it up on speakerphone. Now it's not a live show, so that's different. But I was like. You know, I consider that area where I was in, it's sort of disruptive for that area, right? Yeah. And I was like, can you take that off speakerphone? And the woman next to her said, she's a doctor. But she was an elderly woman who fell asleep right after she picked up the phone. <laughs> and that's like, a doctor. Yeah. And she was wonder wonderful, and she did. She she really, she did. She said, I'm, I'm so sorry. But I, if I were on stage and that happened, sometimes it's the best story. They're always the stories. They're the great stories. It's like, you don't want any of the stories. Like, you just want to talk about how great your performance was. I want to talk about that crazy person who got up in the middle and, you know, took a piss on the side of the stage. You know, I want that. Yeah, right. You know? But when you, just, uh, please don't do that if you come see my shows, anybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, don't get don't carried away just because you enjoy a little arrested. bit. Yeah, yeah. When you see, uh, when we so so you were nominated for the Tony. You went to the Tonys. Um, you didn't win the Tony. Were you uh, Were you upset? Did you feel it was like like what Trump says, a fixed election in a sense? You should have. <laughs> who Who beat you out for this Tony? Who was the actor who beat? You? No, I'm a, I'm a grown up. Um, right. I'm not going to say that, or at least I try and act like one. You know, and right. um, I have people I admire who I I try and emulate. Um, and in that case, I think I don't know. Uh, I I'm not going to say I I want to win. You know, of course. that's the first first time in my life I probably would say that I want to win. I put a lot of hard work into that thing, you know, right. It started as an idea, like a random idea. It was a monologue about death. And then all of a sudden we sh sold out a show on Broadway for 11 weeks and we got into profits and two monologues about death, you know, and then and then we got nominated for four Tonys and the other show I produced, we got nominated for 12. We were 16. I mean, it's amazing. So did I want to win? Sure. But I don't really, I was so, I know Andrew who won, the kid who won. I mean, the great thing about him, he used to help me run lines. 
He used to come really? to my office, speaking of running lines, and help me run lines for, for a couple things. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Andrew he won was the some, he, he was a dude that you said, hey, what, you give him a couple of bucks and he runs the lines with you all day? Yeah, but that's a, he, he was still a Yale acting graduate, but he was a young kid okay. auditioning, doing stuff, coming up. And oftentimes I like, I like to take, you know, some athletes I admire. I, I like their practicing styles. Like I like Federer saying, wow. let's get some of the top game guys and I'll play against them. And you see that in boxing all the time, you know, when people spar. So I was like, let me get in some great actors and I run lines. How'd you find this that. guy? When you would look, when you're looking for someone to run lines with, how do you find these young guys? My theater agent. I called my theater I agent. See. I said, yeah, I said, do you have. And you're telling me this fucking kid beat you for the tone? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, said, did you great. have a speech? Did you have a speech prepared and everything? I was, I was, I had it something in my mind, but you know, no. I mean, I was like, yeah. in my, in my head, I, I, I don't think I ever think I will, but I want to. And I also do. It was amazing. I mean, when he went up, I, I, I threw my arms around him. I was so excited for him. I mean, look, man, everyone has their time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I That's do what I would like do. That's what I would do. That's the move. Act all happy. Throw your arms around the kid. Hey, you know what I mean? But I would, I, I'd be, I'd be seething inside. Please. Plus, I saw you brought your girlfriend with you. You know, I'm in front of your I'm, girlfriend, yeah, you don't I'm want so to pissed. lose the Tony. You know what I'm no, saying? No, but I'm it would, so, been, <laughs> would have been a rush I'm, for her to I'm see so that. I'm so pissed about so many other things. There's no reason to be pissed about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, yeah. And it was nice having her there. I mean, uh, it was great. So, I mean, no, man, I, I don't know. It, By it the was, way, I think this is it for you. I think you're going to get married. I did some research. I was looking at pictures <laughs> of your girlfriend. I watched you guys. And you're, you know, you don't bring just anybody anywhere. You're, you're one of those guys. You pl keep the relationships on the down low. Mm -hmm. You're out there, man. I mean, now I see you're in love. This is, this is a whole new Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, we're talking <laughs> ready to settle down and have a family. And believe me, I, I was looking her over. I'm ready to settle down with her. You think this is a place <laughs> to stop power? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, bro, this is a this is a quality woman, in my opinion, if if I may say. I, I you know I don't know her that well, but I I think this is it for you. Am I correct? She is a quality woman, number one. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I mean, there's only so far I'll go, as you know, like talking about it. But I, but she's just I love her so much, and she just me too, such a good person. So I, mm -hmm. yes, I mean, and you know, I, I think both of, it's a it's a choice for both of us. I mean, I don't think she really enjoys, you know all the other stuff. And so that's part of the reason why I, I just adore her and, um, not at all the main reason, but you know, one of them. And I just like, yeah, I mean, it was great to have her there. And like, when we go out, you know, my family's close, like, you know, and so she wanted to be the other night. She wanted to be out there supporting my sister. And, you know, my sister grabbed, grabbed her and pulled her on that red carpet, which I think neither of us are really inclined to, you know, go on Ew. even me and um to be there to support my sister was what we were there to do and i was like oh yeah it's family it's family hell yeah listen the key to getting you i'm not a woman but i got an idea key to getting you is getting to your sister that's the oh, thing well, that's <laughs> if you if you date a woman that doesn't go to your sister it's over it's over that's yeah, it but i mean i mean that's for a lot of i think that's for a lot of brothers don't you think i mean i mean absolutely i, I know I think for a lot of family, you got to find the right person. There's always one person with your, you have a sibling or not. You got to get them before you can, you can really. You are in. so right. I remember I was dating someone and my sister met her. My sister started shaking her head. No. And I went, Oh <laughs> shit. Like really? 
I mean, like, like, don't do that in front of her. You know what I mean? My sister doesn't actually shake her head, but I know when she's shaking right. her head. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm saying you'll be married within a year. I'm swear I'm out with you. I've been thinking You're about like you Muhammad Ali right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making a prediction. I'm saying this is it. You're going to get down on the knee. You're going to do the whole thing. And then we're going to see kids in two, three years. That's it. That's it for you. I know you're serious when you're holding on to the microphone. I don't make That's, predictions. When lightly. you grab your mic, it's all yeah. done. It's done. <laughs> and, and, and so, so this is it. You seem happy. The new movie is out. The guilty. It's on Netflix. We want people to watch this because you put a lot of work into it. Obviously it's, it not only is a good film, but man, you really get to shine in this film. You really, truly do. And, uh, you know, it's some really good acting, right? You're pleased with yourself with this movie. I mean, look, been shooting it 11 days. You know, um, there are obviously things I'd love to go back and try and change. I think that's how we all. Really? All, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I'm very pleased with it. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of the group of people that put it together and made it. We became, you know, we made this October 2020 of like the second wave or the potential second wave at the time of this whole worldwide pandemic. It, it, people weren't making movies, you know? I know. They just weren't. What a perfect, but what a perfect movie to make during a pandemic because it's just you, you know? You're not, I mean, yeah. there's some other actors, you know, in the periphery, but it's you. It's you doing your thing. And I yeah. tell you, I was shocked that I was like riveted to sit there and watch you. I mean, it, that's a hard thing to like hold people's attention. And just be one the, person, the main, one, one person. person. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, no. but I, but that's also, I mean, look, I mean, yes. Uh, now you know what it feels like to be me for an hour and a half when right. you're like, which sucks. Uh, no, actually, that's not a good example of it. This movie's pretty intense, but I, but it, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there are also these incredible actors on the other line. And part of the trick of it is knowing that if you, if you take up an audience's imagination, half of it at least, that they start to picture, you know, what's yeah. happening. And then your face, that was the thing I learned from the monologue on stage was there was a moment every night where I could feel viscerally the audience's imaginations click on. And as soon as their imagination clicked on, it was like I didn't exist. So you're kind of fooling, fooling them by taking out the other side by saying, oh, it's just on you the whole time. I mean, there are these incredible performances on the other end of the line. I mean, incredible. Yeah. 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 When you said I, you I mean, wanted to uh, do it in 48 hours, was that for the tension? Would you, did you really want like that tension? Because you do pull that off. You know, this is a tense movie. Uh, but yes. is that what you were shooting for? Yes. I mean, I just want the challenge, right? And I also, I, I think also you could only get I want to get a great filmmaker and the only way to get them is for a short period of time. Challenge them, right? Say, this won't take up a whole lot of your life, right? You don't have to shoot this for 50 days. You have to prep this for a year. It's not going to take up right. years of your life. And I just knew as a producer, if I, I knew I could have control over the ability to do it in 48 hours because I knew I could memorize it. And then the rest was just them shaping it, right? Like putting up technical stuff. So when I'm acting something and producing it at the same time, I can always say, you want to shorten the schedule? I can help you. I'll just memorize it. We'll shoot it like super. How many months does it take you to memorize that whole thing? I mean, that, it's a really dialogue heavy. My, my wife and I were watching. We're like, how the fuck did he remember all those lines? I don't I don't get. I mean, I used to do a half page and I couldn't remember it. How do you do that? You, what do you study it for months? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, also because I was part of the development process of it, the script for two years. I, I got 
pretty familiar with certain sections and scenes. But yeah, you just memorize it. I remember telling Antoine Foucault, we were five days in. I was like, we can get this in seven. Let's just, let's cut. We had 12 days scheduled. I was like, let's get it in seven. Wow. I have, I have it becomes up to a, 85 pages memorized. Wow. That becomes the challenge. I huh? just like sort of like moving it. Well, Netflix must have loved you too because you shot it so quick. So how does that work, by the way? When you make a deal with Netflix, did you make this movie and then sell it to Netflix or do you sell it to them first? And then they sold it to them first. You sold it to them first. That's how that works. Yeah. So you ha you don't go and pitch this thing to them, right? They if they hear the name Jake Gyllenhaal, they go, "Hey, fuck it, let's just do it." This guy knows what he's doing. He's got a lot of hit movies behind him. Uh, how does that all work? Do you have to go mm -hmm. sit there and do the whole pitch meeting? Oh, definitely. No, we we had the script already. So what we did yeah. was I had I sent it to Antoine. He said he wanted to do it. Um, we had the script, and then we sent it to Netflix and. Um, you know, S Scott Stuber over there read it, loves Antoine, knows us as a team, and they were all like, "Let's go!" I mean, it was wow. it was the fastest, and also I think at the time, again, it's hard to even remember, even though we're still in this thing, right? We, we they, I mean, I knew they needed they needed material, they needed stuff, right? And right. so it was just saying, "We can do this. We can do this now." And Antoine yeah. wants to make it. It was really when Antoine came on. You know, that yeah, was they really must have hit. loved that whole pitch because they're like, yeah, okay, at least we can get fresh content with a major film star. I mean, uh, it's a it's it's a really good movie because, you know, it may, made me think about cops because I think people don't credit cops with what the fuck they go through. Um, watching a 911 operator doing his thing, you're like, a how does a cop know if somebody on the other line is for real? Are they really trying to kill themselves? Is it really a dangerous situation? How do I respond to this? I mean, you got to be, I heard one cop talk one time. He said, you got to be part social worker. You got to be a tough guy. You got to be, you know, you got to be a marksman. You got to be, you got to have all these skills. You got to be a doctor sometimes and, you know, hold someone together till an ambulance gets there. And I think the movie really brings that out. You're like, shit, I don't know if I could handle that kind of pressure. You feel the pressure of what it is to be a cop, right? Well, I think we should, I mean, just like, Shouting out to like the nine one one dispatchers across the country and the world. I mean, that job is just incredible. It's insane. I mean, to think that like you don't, they don't ever very often they don't get to hear the end of the call. They're, they're helping right. someone through some of the hardest times in their life, and then they don't even know what happens. They'll spend an hour, a minute, a couple of seconds in someone in dire need. Sometimes it's pretty mundane and boring, but other times it's like the worst. You're dealing with people on the worst day of their lives. And then yep. you don't need to know what happens. And, and oftentimes they're the unsung heroes in that space. But as a, I think also the movies about mental health, you know, like, I mean, all, yes, you're dealing with mental health, the other people on the line and our assumptions of what people look like when we could just hear their voice, what our prejudices are, what our projections are, all that stuff. Right. But also the mental health of the person who's answering that call. That's right. I mean, the person who has to get there and do that. I mean, so many of our systems are so broken in dealing with not just not just the people who need help, but not looking at the people who are helping who also need help and all right. these stigmas around that space. And so I think like that's why Antoine and I wanted to make the movie on another level outside of just being a thriller and there being twists and turns and stuff. We knew it'd be entertaining. It was it was always the discussion from the beginning, which is that this is a movie about all of us. And how broken our systems are and how much we project on other people and the mistakes we make as a result of that. Yeah, you're right. That's really, that's really what that movie's about. 
Like, who the hell is answering the 911 call and what's their psychological situation and how much do they care? And oh, I mean, there's man. a first line in it where he's like, there's a, a kid who calls and he says, you know, he's like, did you do drugs? Um, and he's like, he's like, yes. He's like, um, you shouldn't do that. You know, right. clearly he's not a guy. Very helpful, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very, very healthy. Yeah, no toxicity yeah. at all in that comment. But like, I, like that, that was, that's, that's at the heart of it is like, you see a man uh, dealing with the idea, I think of also like masculinity and, 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 and how do you, how do you, how do you help, right? How do you help when you need help and don't know you need help? And want right. to help. That's the other thing. Want to help, but don't know probably that you're not fully capable of being there for someone else because you haven't faced your own shit. And the, he's help. He's trying to help. He's just, you know, yeah, not. It's very obvious without good saying stuff. a lot that he's in trouble. Totally. Yeah, he's totally. in big trouble. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really, it's a really cool movie. I hope people yeah. watch The Guilty on Netflix with uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. He, uh, it's it's really a remarkable movie and going to get you thinking too. Where are you now, anyway? Are you in Manhattan? Are you in where? Where are you? I'm in Cape. I'm in Cape Cod. I'm in Cape, Cape Cod. Cod. Oh, Location undisclosed. Yeah. <laughs> Is it you? Are you working on a, a film or are you just chilling? No, I'm chilling, man. I'm fishing. Chilling. Oh, fishing. fishing. I'm Fishing, yeah. I'm just You're a out big for the guy. I was out for the weekend to just fish, just fish with some friends. Like the movie opened, did all the. You were, you are, you are our last stop, the biggest stop. You're the biggest big column stop. on our press tour. So <laughs> I'm I was sure. like, I gotta relax. I gotta, yeah. I gotta fish, and then I'll, <laughs> then I'll do Howard. I'll talk to Howard and Robin. And when you go fishing, are you one of these guys that catches the fish and you throw the fish back in because you feel bad for the fish? Not all the time, no. Sometimes you eat them. Well, depending on the size, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna catch a small fish, and I I put back all the fish that aren't of of a particular like size. But yeah, and then after a while, if you get enough for the day, I don't catch. I fish first word, and then I catch. You know, if I'm if I'm somewhere where I know I can cook dinner that night, there's nothing better than you know having fish that's fresh and cooking oh, no. people. It's the best. I got to do the fishing. whole gutting and everything. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he's Blang got people and for that, Robin. What's fish heads? Yeah. No, I, no, I, he well, I got, I got, got these two hands. Him. These yeah. two hands. You're like um, a, yeah, you're like a, yeah. I just played fish last night. I caught a sea no bass. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught it. Yeah, like, um, and I, I filleted, and you know, I made some stock. I got some stock, Robin. Wow. So, yeah. All right, we can get down in the but, kitchen. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Robin has a boat. Uh, maybe you two should go out on it one time. Just trying here. Now he's done. I know what's going on in that house. That's that it. I missed house. my I, chance. I think you missed. I missed. You missed the boat, so to speak. Uh, oh, and who are these friends? Obama is he uh, hanging out there with you? He is not hanging with me. No. I got a life pictured for you. That's unbelievable. So it was a good thing. It was a good thing you dropped out of uh, Columbia all those years ago, right? You only went what I'm, two years, Columbia University. I'm not uh, going to be a proponent of dropping out of school, but you know, I'm sure you have a lot of high school and college dropouts on here who are, who are examples of you know good examples of doing that. But uh, no, I, I I still wish that I had the whole education. I think I'd uh, I think I'd be smarter. Right. Smarter, right? <laughs> Don't you ever say to yourself, as great as your career has worked out and everything else, wouldn't it be great to go back in time, and just really embrace college and learn everything that you know because it's such a luxurious time if you have that fortunate experience that you can just read whatever you want and study 
it's it's oh. really something to give up, right? I mean, yes, and I I feel so grateful that I didn't spend the. I mean, one of the things is I didn't have to spend a beginning of my career just paying up college debt loans, you know. But right. um, yeah, I mean that's the one advantage of having dropped out. Um, yeah. <laughs> the good I mean, news is you ahead. have no debt. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Bad news is you have no degree. <laughs> exactly. Uh. But I mean, yes, I wish I could, and I also think it's also that muscle of like reading and being forced to read and being annoyed at not understanding and then having to go back and read the sentence again and all that stuff, you know, that yeah. then trying to put it down on a paper, trying to have your own thoughts, you know, which is missing uh, a lot uh, in myself and around the world. I wish I had finished and maybe I will one day, but maybe I'll just go for the honorary degree, you know, I think you made the right decision. So Robin, to you, uh, this whole fantasy I had of you and Jake making dinner that he just caught for you <laughs> on some <laughs> fishing expedition isn't going to happen. Uh, oh, I think it's safe. You know, it happen. broke my heart. It ah, just, uh, my you think heart it could happen? Mm, yeah, yeah well, what are you going to do? I, abs Robin, I absolutely could still. I will, anytime I will cook you a meal. Howard, oh. the same thing. Really? I don't even know if you eat fish, but. Oh, I, I eat fish. Really does. Yes. He'll oh, eat you know what it is? Fish. I used to yeah. go fishing, but <laughs> I felt bad when I. Well, oh yeah, I used to go fishing with Jimmy Kimmel. I had, I was living, oh, nice. listen to this. I was living on a, um, I had a piece of property that I was just renting, but I, they had in the back a full pond with fish, so many fish that you, you, you stick your line and you, you guaranteed to catch something. <laughs> so I would go with Jimmy until one day a swan, you ever see a swan chase you in a boat? There's oh swan, yeah, terrifying. Uh, yeah. This fucking swan starts chasing us. I'm rowing like a madman with Jimmy. We were fr we were going to take the oar and have to like fight him off. And I just I'm fucking. I'm, I'm done with fishing. I feel too bad for the fish and all that stuff. I'm, not, I'm just it. not. What do you do? Like you stand on like a fishing bank or like like on a or do you go in a boat and fish? I go. I, I'm right now. I'm going on a boat. Yeah, but I'll cast every day. I'll, I'll cast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know why yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I'm great. Not. I mean, there were some pretty intense swells yesterday. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was like. I don't really want to go too far out, but yeah, we, we'll go out. And I mean, it's not like a, I don't, I, but I've been starting to make that more of my, like, you know, part of my life, you know? And again, that's the same thing is like, I think we all have reassessments of the things that give us calm and trying to find more space for them. And that's one of them, you know? Yeah. Even though yesterday the sea wasn't so calm and I wasn't so calm. I was very Jewish yesterday on the sea. <laughs> yeah, there was a tropical up. depression out there. Oh, I was very, out there. Yeah. I know. I was what? like, um, guys, I think the sweat, uh, I think we should, uh, uh, why do Jews not do well on the sea? What is the reason for that exactly? <laughs> what, how um, does that happen? How does that work? This is a, this is a whole other hour. I think we should. I think so. All right. I'll, you know? I, I hear you. All right. So look, here's the, here's the deal. The movie now is the guilty. You got some, I, I didn't even get to ask you like, how the hell are you going to do these movies that you got lined up, uh, you know, with all this COVID and everything? Fauci, on the one hand, is saying we can't even like we might not even be able to have Christmas and see people around that time. It's going to getting so bad. And then, you know, then there were other people traveling, fishing, doing movies. Fishing. I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> like there's a lot I, of I'm people fishing. <laughs> I haven't left my house in two years now. I'm still sitting in this basement doing this show. I don't get your it. Legs I don't know what to just do. Like, your legs have no muscles in them anymore. You're just sitting on the chair. <laughs> yeah. Moving uh, they got this health ring. Where my, the health ring emailed me and said, I think you're dead. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm not doing anything. I mean, I'm completely out of shape. I'm a mess. <laughs> But uh, you listen, look God bless damn you. Good man, you well, look you know, damn good. 
It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I'm an old <laughs> fart now, but I'm I'm trying to hang in there. Man, There's I don't There's nothing wanna. like being a graceful old fart, and that is what you have become. I don't know. My whole body's atrophied. I'm not in your kind of shape. What are you, are you lifting? What are you doing? Are, do, you by the, do you, by the way, do you hold on to that mic to stand up? Do you just grab it and just <laughs> pull, pull yourself every, up? You know, you know what my psychiatrist said to me the other day? He goes, every time you sit down and sit, you go, oh. He says, you're like an old man. I go, I am an old man. He goes, no, you're not. You don't have <laughs> to like, make that noise. Psychiatrists can hear you saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it happens. By the way, the I've done that since I was 11, by the way. You know? What, psychiatrist? Over Sky, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't even believe your parents even let you go act at 15 and like go on a set and everything. You know, it's insane. pretty amazing. I mean, it is insane. Eh, we'll see what, what am I happens. doing to stay in shape? You were, were you asking what yeah. am I doing to stay in shape? Yeah, what are you doing? You look good. Oh, thank you, man. Um, yeah. uh, I always just try and do like I run, I bike. Um, I do like some strength workouts, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Just occasionally. Because I just, as you get older, I think you need to maintain like people who love, I love running, so I run a lot, but over time, you, you know, you get injuries and you just like, if you're not working on your strengths, so I do that. And then, uh, basically it's just diet, you know, at a certain point, yeah. my doctor said eating. you got to take 5% of your plate off a foodie off your plate every decade and you'll be good. Oh, Pretty yeah. Good. You're doing the, so you're doing be the, nothing. <laughs> I'm doing the Mediterranean diet. Exactly. That's my thing. That's what I'm doing. Oh, you what are you benching? That's what why do you your bench? skin looks so supple. Your you skin think? Looks so supple. Yes. It's like beautiful oil, supple. Like, yeah, it's like a. It, Thank it, you. Yeah. It's from the fish. It must be the oils and the fish, right? What, what do you bench? What do you bench? <laughs> I don't know. You know. know. Stop. No, it. I really you don't. Know. No, no, I don't know what I bench. No, I, I hardly bench. It's really? I don't do that really at all. I don't do even that know, yoga. Like, no, I don't do yoga either, really. But I. You I do martial do arts? Of, uh, sometimes, yes. Yeah. But I do, do boxing, martial arts. I mix it up because I'm like, to me, it's like you get into one thing and then you stop losing the fun in it. Like, you got to put it in activities or else you're like, here I am going to work out again. And then you stop doing it. So I'm like, make it active, do something fun, you know? That's Can you kick someone's ass? I mean, from doing martial arts and everything, do you think in a fight you would do well? It really depends on my opponent, Howard. Right. I hear you. I've never met an <laughs> like, opponent that couldn't beat my ass. <laughs> Women have beaten me up. It's embarrassing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely mm. it depends on the opponent. To me, there are a majority of people probably could kick my ass if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. Listen, congratulations on the new movie. I'm going to let you out of here because I know you got to fish. But uh, what, and maybe much you're more looking for a fight, so you got to go out. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go and, fight uh, a fish. Yeah, great job yeah. on the movie. Say hi to your girlfriend. Yeah. I'm a big fan. If you know what I'm saying, oh, I will. Uh, please say hello to her for me, and and, and you know whatever you want to say, uh, tell her I'm a fan. Uh, if you know what I mean, and I approve. By the way, just like your sister, I think it looks good. I like what you're up to. Your acting is top notch. You're doing everything right. So you know, you, and, and, uh, yeah, and, and it's a pleasure talking to you. I've learned a lot today. So Jake Gyllenhaal, he's telling you on Netflix right now. There it is. The Guilty. Watch the it. Guilty. Guy shot this guy shot the film in 11 days. Man, thank you That's for having it. me on this show. It's a joy being on here always. You guys are the best. And and tr and Wait, so you got to go out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go and, fight uh, a fish. Yeah, great job yeah. on the movie. Say hi to your girlfriend. Yeah. I'm a big fan, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I will. Uh, please say hello to her for me. And, and, and you know, whatever you want to say, uh, just tell her I'm a fan, uh, if you know what I mean. And I approve, by the way, just like your sister. I think it looks good. I like what you're up to. Your acting is top notch. You're doing everything right. 
So, you know, nice and, and, uh, yeah, and, and it's a pleasure talking to you. I've learned a lot today. So Jake Gyllenhaal, he's telling you on Netflix right now. There it is. The Guilty. Watch the it. Guilty. Guy shot this. Guy shot the film in 11 days. Man, thank you That's for having it. me on this show. It's a joy being on here always. You guys are the best. And and tr- and as somebody who really does appreciate no bullshit, man, like it's just great to be with you always. And thank you for well, thank being you. a gentleman. So thanks and for al- saying always, that. even when you're not a gentleman, you're still a gentleman. You can't help yourself, Howard. That's why everybody loves you. So, well, you know, really listen, I'm not always a gentleman, but you know, I try. I try trying to become an elder statesman all right jake listen go have fun go fish what else are you doing today you're gonna fish today absolutely nothing i'm just I gonna wonder, do yeah. nothing today lovely that's basically what i'm trying to learn how to do you know and if things don't work out consider robin okay she's ready <laughs> i'm always here. robin i can't even <laughs> see you i haven't seen you the whole time i was just staring I don't at her they're hiding me from you even a one-nighter you got to bring up Robin so, so Jay can see the outfit. She put on a special outfit for you. It's terrible. Hey, where yeah, is Robin? Say, well, I, I, I didn't know you couldn't see her. Where? Oh, look, look at that with the shoulder. Robin. Yeah. Look at Robin's shoulder. Robin the whole time. Jake, look at Robin's shoulder. They don't want us together. Robin. Yeah. Robin, for real, you look gorgeous. Yeah. Well, she does. thank you. Uh, she's a show off. Yeah. You look better and, uh, now than you have in the years before. Wow. Honestly, what is that? Well, I'm, I'm on the Howard's diet. Yeah, Mediterranean diet. Are you guys doing Mediterranean way, together? Jake, honestly, full disclosure, uh, I couldn't put her up on the screen because she was touching herself watching. Oh, stop so it. <laughs> now he's not being nah. a gentleman. Stop it. No, I, no, I'm not being a gentleman. You're right. Listen, Ro- on behalf of the show, on behalf of Robin and myself, congratulations on the guilty Netflix and uh, enjoy your time off and uh, stay safe out there. Avoid the COVID. And uh, thanks for being such a um, a great interview. Appreciate it, Jake. Thank you so much, Howard. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Stay safe. Good to see you. You Do I sign off now? Is that what I do? Yeah. I'm going to sign off. Unless you want to hang more. I mean, I got nothing to do. No, my favorite part of this is the awkward sign off because you have to press it twice. So you're like, bye. Oh, Oh, yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Now press it. I'm still not (laughs) leaving. Still not leaving. Then you got to do it again. All you know right. what's going to happen. As soon as you hit that button, we're going to start talking about you. So you might as well try to. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, all right. Yeah. I'll see you. Uh, <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. There he is, your boyfriend, Jake Gyllenhaal. I tried. Yeah. I, you know, he seems pretty tight with that girlfriend. But he's a great guy. Mm. I don't care no. if he's with someone else. I just yeah, like hanging out with him. Right. Good for you, Robin. Always triumphant. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. You tired? I'm tired. I think uh, I think we did enough show. It's already. Let's see what time it is. Ten twenty. Is it? Ten twenty. Wow! I didn't realize we had spent that much time with Jake. So yeah. Well, we'll get blew by for me. Well, we'll yeah. I know. We'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get together tomorrow. Brandy Carlisle's going to do a couple of tunes. Oh, we're we got so a lot lucky. to go over. We got we got a couple of shows this week. One on Wednesday, it's just going to be us because I got to get to. Um, Again, Debbie and Jeff, the vomit guy. Debbie, the cum lady, yeah. and Jeff, the vomit guy. I got um, the Long Island Medium 911 special, which I'm particularly <laughs> worked up about. I do not like people. Uh, I know. People. You keep keep getting, uh, you keep listening to that and getting angrier and angrier. I mean, I'm sitting with it and I want to vent because, I mean, can you imagine on 9-11 contacting people who lost people at the, the World Trade Center and and telling them they're in touch with them. I mean, come on, really? 
What the fuck? I mean, come on. I mean, I know there's all kinds of weird ways to make a buck, but going, Robin, you lost someone at the World Trade Center. Here, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm talking to them right now, and I can tell you they That's love right. you I'm and they miss tell you. Tell you what they say and how they feel about your suffering. Oh no, your friend is telling me. Wait a second. Um, they know they're in the right place. They know exactly that they're where they should be. So uh, please don't think it's that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, come on. Really? Everybody's happy to be gone. That's yeah, what well, I love about those mediums that contact the dead. They all Gary's, are happy they're gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're in a great place. Nowheresville. <laughs> uh, Gary's going to do a whole thing he put together on the summer of Karen's. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, all those Karens that uh, yeah. have a lot of, they got a lot of yapping to do and they're busy telling everybody off. Um, oh, and this is great. I can't wait to tell you about this. Um, how do I do this? This is going to be good. This is, uh, I got a report on a woman whose husband is, um, a cuckold. You know what that is? That's where yeah. she, she has sex with other dudes in front of him and he <laughs> just sits there and takes it and so then we had a whole bunch of the whack pack call up and see if Dude. they can't get in on this and it's really really great stuff we're gonna wow. get to that we gotta get to that this week yeah if you want to be cuckolded thank, get you, the thank whack you, pack you thank you thank you to thank have you thanks with your wife <laughs> yeah by the way a whole bunch of people wrote in about mick jagger they like that love who wouldn't like that just any conversation I was thinking with mick about jagger. that all weekend it was like yeah. amazing to have him here so, a lot of people said a lot of nice things, including Jillian Barbary and our old friend Captain Jenks. What do you know? Oh, yeah? Tweeting it out. Yeah. Everybody's checking in. I didn't even know Captain Jenks was still around. Yeah, well, we and didn't hear from him that much. Maybe he's busy working. Or having sex, you know. He's got time to make up. Oh, yeah. He came out late. That's right. Came out real late. Was always trying to pass himself off as heterosexual, and then he said, "Fuck this! I'm go I'm I'm gay, and I'm gonna have some fun." You are mine. Good for him. My possession. A whole bunch of praise for Gary Patrick Delabate. I didn't even know that was his middle name. What do you think of that? I've never known Gary's middle name. Is it Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. Gary Patrick Delabate is a name that will forever live in glory. The man is the Michael Jordan of radio Baba producers. Bowie. He now is Baba officially Bowie. an elder statesman of show business because he all because he got Mick Jagger on the show. Wow. Yeah. Oh, this is funny. So Mick Jagger, when he was on, was saying uh, he's in his hotel. Where was it? In North Carolina or South Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. I should know that because my brother-in-law went to the show with my sister-in-law in North Carolina. They live there. Uh -huh. They said it was remarkable. It is remarkable to see a 78-year-old Mick Jagger running around doing crazy amount of movement on stage. It's just, it is, it defies the brain. And I don't think, know how he does you it. You know, like moving and singing is one of the hardest things you can do. I can't even move and talk. I get out of breath. <laughs> and I'm in reasonable shape. But uh, remember Mick was saying he was in the hotel in North Carolina and there was some kind of street preacher out there keeping them up. Yes. Yeah, so this guy wrote me. He said, I have several banking clients in that metro area who stay at local hotels. They always need a pair of earbuds for the hotel on account of this guy. 
Nice to know that Mick Jagger and I have something in common. Great show today. Uh, Charlotte's local CBS affiliate, WBTV News, even did a story on the crazy street preacher. This is some, so here, this is the guy Mick was talking about. Jesus saves! He's known. Jesus Christ loves you guys! As the Jesus saves guy. He loves you, brother. Keep smiling for Jesus. And day after day, his booming voice bounces between the buildings at the intersection of Trade and Tryon. Jesus saves! Hey, it ain't fake news. This is good news, guys. And three years ago, he decided to quit his job and preach full time. Keep smiling for Jesus. I was really, like, fearful. I didn't understand it. I just knew that God had put it on my heart to come out here and share the good news. Sam knows some call him crazy, and he admits they might be right. Jesus loves you, sir. But he is not about to let man get in the way of his higher calling. I am crazy, but I'm crazy for Jesus. No offense to that TV channel, but don't do stories on these guys. and only Don't encourage encourage him. (laughs) Well, don't encourage him and don't encourage other people who sit in a home going, you know what, I want to get on TV. I'm going to go yell in front of a hotel. Uh, He's not even saying that much. He's got like two lines that he just keeps repeating over and over again. Jesus. Jesus saves. And you know what? How about I want to go to sleep? Can you imagine how loud this guy is now? I got to figure Mick Jagger's in the penthouse, right? I mean, he's on the top floor. I don't know how big this hotel is, but even if it's 20 stories, this guy's yelling Jesus out on the street and Mick says, it's so loud I can't sleep. He it woke him up. The fuck. By the way, here in New York, you got these guys everywhere. You got every 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 three every three minutes you run into these guys with Jesus. You just want to say to him, "Dude, come on, get out there, get a job." All day you're going to scream about Jesus. You're yeah, into Jesus, okay? Living? We get somebody it. Somebody throwing yeah. money in a in a bucket for him. No, you know what it is. A lot of guys are. Uh, I mean, I don't know this guy, but a lot of these guys are using it. To, in order to get them shut up, you got to give them some money. Is that it? You shut them up with Yeah. If I was Mick Jagger, I would have walked downstairs and I would have been like, hey, hey, bloke, here's 50 bucks. Now get the fuck away from my door. Get away from my window. You're driving me nuts. I got a, I got a huge show. I have a real show. Yeah. You're not a show. Yeah. I'm 78. And I got to get a nap. That's it. You get out of here. And then they, these TV stations, they, they become charmed by this. Of course, they're if they had this guy outside their house, they wouldn't be so charmed. Yeah, here's one of our local characters. Mm. Yeah, how about, here's one of our local nuisances. <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do? Here's one of our local... Yeah, this is the... That's like the last story on the news. It's like, hey, by the way, many, many of you have probably run into this gentleman. It, shut up. Stop making this cute. There's nothing cute about a grown man yelling about Jesus in front of my window when I'm trying to sleep. He's called the Jesus Saves guy. That's a <laughs> no, he's terrible not. name. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and by the way, <laughs> let's get a good na- The Jesus Saves guy. By the way, there's a 50 billion Jesus Save guys right here. <laughs> you want to do cute stories. I love those last. I don't watch local news anymore. I watch MSNBC. I watch um, Nicole Wallace. God, she's looking good. She did something with her Is hair. She, I think she, she did something so- to herself. Yeah. She might even. I don't know what she's doing. She looks good. 
She didn't look like that when she was on The View. That's all I know. Wasn't she on The View? Uh, for a little bit, yeah. No. Bunch of people on there I find very attractive. <laughs> I like Mika from Mika and Joe. find her attractive. I like them all. I like what's-her-name, too. Joy Reid. She's got a different hairdo every fucking day. Is that right? Yeah, she's working on her look big time. I watch all of them. Every yeah, you one know, of that, that again, it bothers me because the men just show up in a suit. Yeah, well, hey, get a haircut. that's the beauty. And that's beauty it. Beauty of being a man. Look on Bachelor in Paradise. These guys, you'll, you'll see it tonight. I'm not spoiling anything for you. But <laughs> um, these guys show up for the big discussion, whether they're going to get engaged or not. The women are decked out. They're wearing titty outfit, fucking high heels, on the beach, no less. These yeah, dudes show up. these dates they've had over the weeks. It's like, yeah. where did she get that? Where did she have that outfit stacked? Well, never mind that. The dudes show up in board shorts, and uh, one guy shows up naked. He doesn't even care. Yeah, but the women look like they're ready to go to the yeah. Met Gala, and the guys yep. are in board shorts and Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. Well, these guys are like, I'm going to propose to you in my board shorts and T-shirt. <laughs> But, uh, I don't know. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the guy on the oh, news. The, well, you were talking, you were waxing poetic about I, how you like some of the women on. MSNBC. Well, I don't watch the local news because yeah. it's that last story. You know, it's like, hi, everybody. Oh, by the way, here's a story where we feature a local asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want that feel good story. I tell you though, I watch I watch uh, MSNBC. I get depressed sometimes. I got to turn it off. I can't fucking take it. Yeah, I don't I don't pay much attention. I look yeah. at a little bit of news just to know what's going on, but I won't listen to hours of it because it's all depressing and everything doesn't work. I'll but they you, are doing something on one of the channels where they actually give you a story of substance in that last story. Oh yeah, and this one was about the the same Marines that carry bodies uh, to Arlington Cemetery yeah. and do all the ceremonies for the yeah. veterans who are buried there. They were, I guess, leaving some situation, and this woman was uh, being carried away in a flash flood, and they stopped and pulled her out, saved her mm, life. Yeah, I read about her that. on the side... And then yeah. went on about their business. Yeah, real heroes. They don't even, like, if I, if I pulled some woman out of the water, you wouldn't stop hearing about it. That would be the whole show. It would actually be the end of the show, because all I would talk about is how I pulled a woman <laughs> out of the water and what a hero I am. And, and I'm um, leaving. <laughs> leaving yeah, on these guys, <laughs> these fucking guys, they do it, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to go do something heroic later on today, too. So Well, I they just said, the it. guy who interviewed them said they didn't even want to be interviewed. Yeah, right. Me? Uh, bring the camera in and keep it to my right. That's my best angle. I just saved the woman. Conference. <laughs> well, I'll have the press conference after I go to the tattoo parlor and get it tattooed on my head that I just saved somebody's <laughs> life. Blah blah blah. Right. Blah 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 blah. Well, that sounds like a good newscast, but most of these newscasts is like, "Hey, we're going to give you 29 minutes of bad news, and now here's one minute to make you feel good." Yeah, here's one person or a few people yeah. who actually do something nice. Years ago, some guy called into the show and said he was going to jump off a bridge, and I 
talked him down, kind of. Like, not even, yeah. you know, I mean, whatever. Well, we talked to him until somebody else got there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I declared myself a hero and held a press conference immediately. <laughs> Remember that? And everyone showed oh, up. Yeah. They wanted to talk. And they called me you a hero. wrote a song and had Carly yeah. Simon sing it, I think. Yeah, I did. It's crazy. Can't do bits like that anymore with this COVID. I can't hold an immediate press conference to uh, <laughs> to praise myself. Yeah, remember I changed my name legally to Howard the Hero Who Saved the Bridge Jumper, Stern. Right, yes. Yeah. All right, let me let me put her out of her misery. Marianne's on the phone. I know ah. this woman will exp- her head will explode if I just don't say a quick hello. How you doing? Oh my God, do you love me? You know me well, Howard. I love you. First of all, big props to Gary for that amazing Mick Jagger get because nobody got Mick Jagger. Howard, only right. you. I listened a hundred times, for, and I want to tell you happy anniversary. And I want to say you. Mick Jagger was in. Uh, the Carolinas, how he posted on his Instagram, he was there. Nobody recognized him. Howard, yeah. I love you, and I want to tell you happy anniversary. And all right, thank you. All right, she's been on. Ooh. She's been on edge for hours waiting. Well, she had it all stored up. I, you know, yeah. she jumped from topic to topic without a breath, practically. People say to me, as a professional broadcaster, how do you know when to hang up on Marianne from Brooklyn? And the answer is simple. When she, by the third time, she said, um, I, I want to wish you a happy anniversary. I know she's run out of steam. <laughs> you know, when she starts repeating herself. Hey, so uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Um, for those of you who are Brandy Carlisle fans, certainly uh, check her out tomorrow. Boy, when that woman opens her mouth and sings, you could just die. It's just so beautiful. It's a gift from heaven.